that's right. It's time for us to jibber-jabber you about pop culture detritus. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. We're coming at you live, as usual, from Bill's Basement in Oregon. We sound better than usual because we have a brand new podcasting mic. Yeah. Bill's got Still a uh, recording under our usual shitty conditions <laughs> where it's just us squeaking and banging on the table. And, and opening and cans. And, exactly. Uh, Speaking I love of which... I love that after like ah. two and a half years, three ah. years, yeah, this, no, been... our podcast still smells or sounds like garbage. <laughs> it still smells like garbage too. Wait, so we're up to one eighty four. We're close to two hundred. Fifty two podcasts a year. Not how many Are we up years to have four been doing years? This? Oh Christ! That's impossible because that makes more sense. Because if we're and assuming you know we took a couple weeks off over the course of the yeah. last couple of years, although then again we never counted the Star Wars specials right. of which we just recorded another. Well, yeah. not we. I recorded a Star Wars special. We need to day. make a tag on our blog for the Star Wars specials or something. Uh yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and fucking fuck around. But how you doing? Hi Bill, how you doing, pal? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I was just telling Annie right before we started recording, I got a new uh, book in the mail this week. It's a Disneyland book? Oh, fuck. Our first episode was October 2011. So it has been four years. Fuck. That's what I was say, because, like, I was fuck. just thinking before we start recording, in 15 weeks, three months, mm-hmm. it'll be roughly around Halloween, mm-hmm. it'll be our 200th episode. Mm-hmm. That's when we're going to have our... We're oh, going to need pot, our... A pot will be legal in Oregon. We can have our smoked out, uh, Oregon, our smoked out podcast. When we get to episode 420? Wait, what? No, in, in October, well, pot is legal in Oregon, and pot will be... It's legal now! Spencer's will be legal in Oregon. So wait, isn't it just legal now? Well, you can you can have a certain amount of marijuana, and you can grow a certain amount of marijuana, but you cannot buy a certain amount of marijuana. Wait, what? You can't buy any marijuana legally. So you can make your own? Yeah. Well, how do you get your own? Because you need to get the seeds. Uh, you have to... You just have to send them from men by mail? You buy it from anybody. So it's a magical crime Someone else can everything. give you theirs. Oh, so you just can't exchange for cash for the Correct. pot Correct. or the seeds? That's why some places in town have been giving out pot for free. Uh, I have never smoked marijuana because it's illegal, and no one's offered it to me. I had a party square. last Sunday night where we had people over, and they were talking about how they had a bunch of seeds. Oh, they were talking about how they ordered seeds from like Colorado, and they accidentally destroyed like $150 worth of seeds because they yeah. accidentally drowned them in one of our basements. I mean, they've been growing pot since before. Like what? At the beginning of the month, that's when a uh, pot in a yeah. growing pot in Oregon became for. Oh yeah. I thought you could buy it. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was just. No. Nope. Why would they wait an extra couple months? Well, because you have to. They had to figure. I mean, it's not like it'll just turn on. Like Walmart can sell pot. It's gonna be have like alcohol. Or, no, that's what I literally just said, Bill. Yeah. I've never done pot because I'm a square. And my my wife neither. You are of my not wife, missing much. Well, I know. But my wife and I are both like our big thing was like we're law-abiding citizens. Like yeah. really, we are. Like neither of us drank before we were legally able to do so. Yeah. Like neither smoked before we were legally able to do so. You guys are hobbits. You guys know. You guys follow the rules. Yeah. Like, like well, we're military kids. We're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're like, military we do what we can so our papas can be proud of us. <laughs> but um, now that it's legal, we both. Oh, you get your parents smoked up the next time. Well, what's really funny <laughs> is that my mom, when my mom, I, I don't know how this came up, but my mom has also never done pot. No. So she, no, 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 no. So we were talking about going to, oh, it was when it was legal in Washington. She was actually really excited. She's like, can we go get a beach house in Washington and smoke pot? And I was like, how hilarious. I would love be you, mama. To go your and have your cool. first. She loves Star Wars, she loves the Beatles, and she loves the idea of doing illegal drugs. With her daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she it would be a good time. So it's just funny. You guys would be fun hanging out and doing pot It would be, it would be, anyway, I just love my mom. And my mom was like, let's go smoke marijuana on the beach. 
now that it's legal in your state. Are they coming out again this fall? Because usually every fall they come out, but no, you just had them here for the wedding. Yeah, they were just in town for the wedding, and there's other stuff going on. That Guys, be listen to the podcast. Out. We'll just talk about stuff. We'll just be talk- we'll just just friend talk, not even that's podcast the, talk. That's all this fucking podcast I know, is. Yeah. Someone I had to pitch this. Or like someone asked me what I, my podcast is about. I was like, it's literally just me and Bill catching up every week, yeah. and some people got help them listen to it. Anyway, uh, how you doing, Bill? <laughs> Good. Nothing, nothing more ever, boring than hearing ever, people talk about pots. So. I, I know, seriously, pots it's is just the, the worst. I feel because pots never. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, back, I pretty much my entire twenties, I lived in a house where everyone just you got smoked up house. every night. I lived in a house. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm I'm so my twenties. I lived in a small cave. Right? Um, no, but I live in a house where everyone just like it wasn't like a big thing. It's not like I love the fact that like the first people I lived with who did pot weren't like yeah, pot's so cool because like people love to like make it yeah. pot seem extravagant or it's some kind of like cool yeah. or like some kind of dangerous thing. No, everyone just did pot. Super, super cool. Super, uh, you know, just kind of. Um, Recreationally, it wasn't yeah. like a big like oh yeah, you know, and I so I had plenty of time, opportunities to try pot and I did. I smoked pot a whole bunch just to try it, but it never really did anything except mm. for the one time we mixed it with opium, and I it was the opium I was feeling right, right. more than the pot. And pot just smells man. yeah, it does, and it's not like man. That's a, that's the thing that really bothers me. I hate it when people just casually smoke it around you. Yeah, because it smells you. like fucking and, exploded. And even skunk. then, it's like if they ask you, "Are you cool if I smoke pot?" I always feel weird saying no. Why do you say no? no? Yeah, because now you feel like you're in an ABC after school special. The worst was once I was hanging out with a person. Why no? And they were, they, she started smoking. Mm-hmm. And then after about 10 minutes of Foley and I being like, excuse me? She looked at us and said, uh, oh, are you cool with this? At that Wait, point, I'm like, you've been smoking for 10 minutes. I forgot, do you smoke a cigarette every once in a while? Very infrequently. Okay, because I know a lot of people do that like maybe like Very, once or twice I a year. I smoked a cigarette when Fallout 4 was announced. <laughs> that was the, the first time you in a couple You smoked the whole thing or just light it up and that yeah, for five puffs? You go, uh, wow, okay. I, no, can't imagine, I, the last I cannot time, imagine you with a lit cigarette in your hand. Uh, the last time, well, normally Foley and I smoke cigars on 4th of July, though we haven't done that in a couple of years. Okay. And um, uh, when I... The last time I really wanted to drink, like really wanted to drink, instead I went out and sat on my front yard and smoked a cigarette, and it was awful. And I only drank, it smoked like four puffs before I was like, "Fuck it." But for my Fallout Four cigarette, I enjoyed that one. Well, you still drink beer, but you don't I drink, drink beer booze. and wine. That's correct. No more hard alcohol. Is there any temptation to just drink a beer in lieu of the the, the hard stuff? I know it's not the same thing, but I don't know uh, if you still just want the taste of like. I mean, I, I drink the same beer. Taste. Well, I know, but yeah, I don't know if like beer is ever kind of a substitute for. Well, for the I mean, there stuff. are times when I find myself self-medicating with beer and wine, but okay. it's not as I'm. Well, like, I know it doesn't hit the same thing. I'm otherwise. conscious of it, and I don't drink in those instances. I don't drink more than like one. Yeah. So um, it's harder with a bottle of wine because once you open a bottle of wine, it's, there's yeah, like weird is. pressure to finish it off. Fortunately, my wife is an adorable. It's like uh, a two-liter Coke. I have the same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting though. I realized this week for the first time that I don't really, I, I my depression has been kicking my ass you're, this oh, week. you're beautifully married. What well, is see, that's what, sad The thing about? is, is that, yeah, my Oh, you read is, that New York Times article about how No, I did not. Coast... I fucking refused to read that article about the West Coast earthquake. Yeah, Thank so what's you. going on in your brain? Um, my life is really good right now. I, for the first time in a long time, I have a job that I really like that suited to me, that was given to me, that was created yeah. for me. My, I love my wife. You're and sitting I'm by an open married. window I've got work. my... 
my uh, my house is perfect. My cats are perfect. I have really good friends. You know, I've got all this stuff. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to eat better. I'm trying to exercise more. You know, all these things. I'm medicating. I'm meditating. I'm doing all this shit. But depression doesn't need a reason. Are you saying it's illogical? And yeah, are you saying depression and mental stuff is totally unhinged for it's, a reason? It's just really interesting. What are you because about? this is the first time ever that my depression has been really hard that I can't say like arbitrarily blame something outside of myself. This yeah. is just entirely. Well, it's just your chemistry just fighting against you. Yeah. It's, so, it's, um, yeah. you know, it's been really hard, but, um, uh, fuck, there was, a, I was going on where was, oh, um, but this week I realized for the first time that, um, this is the first time my depression has really been bothering me that I haven't been thinking a lot about drinking. Okay. Because normally that's my first impulse. Because the thing about drinking is that I would drink until I couldn't feel anything anymore, and that was the best sensation. Because normally my brain is just this I've coffee. never done anything like that in my life. I don't even... I can't even appreciate what that must feel like. It's know? just like... I feel like I've got fucking Statler and Waldorf in my head commentary all the time, except mm-hmm. instead well, of... Well, that's the other thing, because I can't even imagine the depression, much less what you have to do to medicate yourself out of the depression. Or at just, least numb yourself from the depression. Yeah. I really struggle with unwanted thoughts and really negative thoughts, and yeah. And um, it's, that was the only way that I could not, because even with meditation, like I can get to a good place, but um, yeah, this week was the first week ever that I just realized that I don't want to drink my troubles away anymore, which is big. My dad, uh, when I saw my dad for my wedding, he took a minute because my family, my whole family on his side has struggled with alcohol and some it's taken the lives of more than a few of my family. And, um, uh, my dad told me how proud he was that I confronted my problem so young because mm-hmm. most most of my family have not. And um, I didn't really, at the time I thought it's kind of a, you know, I didn't really, I, I was grateful that he was, you know, praising me for confronting it because it doesn't, I don't feel proud of it. No, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. such a shameful thing. But uh, I realized that because I confronted it, like when it was only a few years in, that I was just really much more easily able to unlearn those bad habits and yeah. unlearn those bad easily thoughts. relatively it's not yeah from, you know. well i mean it's been a fucking struggle don't get me wrong yeah. but it's and you just... have to reconcile the fact that you're gonna be an alcoholic your whole life oh, exactly. it's not like something you ever cure yourself no 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 no, no. i mean i can never so. have a drink of hard alcohol again you know, you know what's life. delicious just drinking mouthwash <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, it's it it's minty and it's readily available right. right there it's not really no, it's just interesting because like there have been like whenever i in, or the last couple of years whenever i've been on my own and no one has gonna is gonna see me for the next couple of Hours. Like my brain, I feel like a fucking like some sort of weird like matrix like pull out view of the local map, and my brain just in like court coagulates uh, uh, ang- uh, uh, all local bars and liquor stores, and like at where I am in relation to them, and it's moving through space. I forgot you've moved, so you don't have that bar that's like right down the road from you, like you had oh, at Bill. the old. I, I am surrounded by bars. There are that's right because I forgot you're right you're right off I mean, main, it's Portland, two main true, strips. Too. Yeah, I mean Portland in Portland you throw a brick in any direction and you'd be a fun bar. person to hang out with at a bar too. You'd be good bar. Clientele. I was yeah. No, I should be like a so fucking like... member of Cheers or something. It's, uh... Uh, anyway, yeah, it's just there have been times where I've only drunk alone in a bar a handful of times because it's too expensive. I my 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 agenda. Anyone was, ever try to hit you up in a bar or anything bottle. like that? No, Bill. Why not a lady in a I bar never, by yourself? I am never a person that anyone has ever flirted with. I'm okay. not that kind of gal. I'm not. Okay. Especially, been, especially in Portland. You never know. I mean, no, I it's not, not okay. a problem I've ever had. Uh, but uh, it's I've only drunk at a bar alone maybe four times in my life. Uh, I was in a bar alone once. When I was 12, and I accidentally broke my parents' TV, and I, I ran away from home. <laughs> and by ran away from home, I just, like, 
like I, I thought like I thought it was gonna be in so much trouble mm-hmm. that I like packed up like a little bag of stuff <laughs> and thought I was gonna be this is it I'm gonna have to be at, like 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 raise myself on the streets and uh, that just turned into me just hanging out at the local corner bar like a block and a half away from my parents' house for an afternoon until the guy who was like why is there a twelve year old what's your name and they're like my name is Barry Mudgard and they called my parents and they picked me up and that was like they were like it's a TV we'll fix the TV go, yeah. go play Nintendo you're an idiot uh, so yeah oh that's um, pretty good pretty good anyway uh so i've been sad how you been doing bill i've been doing fucking fantastic yeah well not fucking fantastic but doing better than you have yeah man i'm sorry because that sucks because i know you can't get out of your own brain it's just just shit it's mostly just frustrating because i've been trying really consciously to change my habits Mm -hmm. over the last like marrying my wife has made me realize that um the best thing about being in a relationship is when you learn to accept the other person where they are because you know it's easy to get into bad habits of i wish this person would change i wish they'd be more this or less that and i stopped feeling that way with foley a couple years ago and instead it's kind of turned into this person makes me like myself and i want to be a better person Mm -hmm. because this person loves me so i've been trying to consciously change myself i've pretty much i've cut all coffee and soda out of my diet i'm doing exercise a lot more i'm biking a lot more i'm trying to crew things so it sucks that while i'm trying to consciously make myself better is like your brain is like rotting from the inside out so anyway long story short i try to make a point of just talking about my depression just because it's something people don't talk about really and i just want any listeners out there to know that you're not alone and depression sucks did you see there's a website where like it's just a website you can just like i saw i think it was ashley birch maybe who linked to it where it's just a website where like i think you could like dial in just with like your your the onboard microphone of your computer you don't have to use a phone you could just call them up and they've got trained it's not even like a suicide helpline it's just just like like if you you just want someone to talk to and you're tired you're born and you're and you want to be you, you want to communicate you want to get out of your own brain, essentially. Yeah. And it's just, a, like, URL click away. And so yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know no, yeah. how well it actually works for anybody. I, but. Can't, I, I know some people who have used that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's enormously helpful just to say out loud what you're going through and just to talk to people about it. I'm try- It's one of the things that I, I used to not do that. And I'm not in therapy anymore because, frankly, I can only afford gym or therapy. Well, that's the other thing when you're broke, too, like... Yeah, yeah, you really have to pick your battles in Therapy terms of, like, fucking expensive. seeking help. Yeah. So I've just been trying to talk, because my big thing is, is that as long as I am talking, it doesn't really matter who I'm talking to, like, really. Okay. So I'm trying to talk to people about it. You and just... I and everyone else listening to the podcast gets to charge you uh, $35 an hour <laughs> for, listening, right. for listening to Oh, Bill, I wish it were $35 an hour. Really? How much is it? Uh, My therapist in Portland range from, even the sliding scale is one, <sighs> the cheapest is $75 an hour, and that's pretty uncommon. I would say the average is 125 an hour. I, I mean, so it's, you know, it's, you're basically Jesus. paying for a safe space and someone That shows how is... completely disconnected from that whole world I am. I'm just mm-hmm. like, holy shit. Being depressed is expensive, dude. I thought it was like getting a cab. No. I didn't realize it was like, no. man, I don't feel so bad for self-medicating with my Millennium Falcon anymore. That's why, shit. well, seriously, that's why, Fuck. um, when I, so technically part of Obamacare is that like, uh, Obama's, uh, changes in healthcare is that yeah, your, your healthcare provider has to provide you mental health services. Services. Oh, okay. So when I went to my healthcare provider and uh, I, they sent me off to their, it took me like six months to get it from me telling my doctor that I'm really suffering from severe depression and I need to figure out what those resources are within. And so I, my company had some interim things that I used and then I just paid out of pocket for a while. And uh, then I finally got to the therapist and um, needless to say, I, I'm in a prominent local healthcare program and they have 
like thousands and thousands and thousands of clients. So this, I go talk to this lady for about 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and she finally looks at me and she says, your problem isn't so severe that we will pay for your talk therapy. So she sent me to group instead. Uh, And it was the worst. She didn't tell me it was group until I went there. It was just the worst. I'm not designed for group. See, this is why like I've, I've, I've vaguely considered in the past, like, wouldn't it be interesting to go to therapists just to see what happens, just just for a self, basic self-diagnostic kind of thing? And it's I hear stories really like that works, where people dude. don't. I know it's not that's like a what I imagine it being. You go to your brain, and you're like, doctor, what part of my brain? Is, I imagine is it's mental inside. dry dock. It's like Star Trek <laughs> Enterprise. No. It's just like going in for a checkup, just to make sure everything's all cleaned out and everything like that. But yeah, therapy, especially like that when you're like just starting and you're figuring things out with yourself, can take years, dude. Years. So when you've gone to therapy, do you actually have a conversation with the with the person you're having oh, yeah. with your therapist? Because oh, yeah. I know some other people. I mean, everyone I know and love is kind of nuts in some way. So I know a lot of people go to therapy. Don't, I know don't some say people. That's funny. What's that? Don't say nuts. <laughs> they are colorful. They're struggling with something or other. They're something, huh? yeah. <laughs> um, I say that in the most affectionate way possible. But um, I'm trying to wean myself out of saying nuts and crazy and psycho and shit like that, just because yeah. they kind. Yeah. Um, but Ed, like, I've known a lot of people too, where they go to the therapy and it's just kind of the therapy where you just talk to somebody mm-hmm. and like, I guess there must be some kind of a, like a conversation, but yeah. it's just kind of like, cause well, I, I always fun. imagine it would be kind of a conversation, not just kind of like talking. It depends on what you need. Oh, you know, that's exactly. Cause everyone, every person's going to be different. Every person, yeah. their, their, their relationship with their specific therapist is going to be, I don't know. So yeah. this is a whole, like I said, this is a whole alien world to me. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, my wife is so good. She's been trying real hard to make me feel better. Um, I got this one comic the other day, and it was about this dude who's dating a tiger. <laughs> and so I, I, started, I read it to Foley, and she's it's like, what the fuck is this shit? Of course it is. And uh, she's, uh, she, I started calling Foley Tiger Boyfriend, because I'm like, look, Foley, it's about you, because he's a tiger with glasses and everything. I'm like, oh, it's Foley. And uh, so we've been on this Tiger Boyfriend riff all week, and Foley, yesterday, I was too sad to get out of bed. I was just laying in bed, and I just couldn't get up. I couldn't move, because that's one of the things about depression, is you're just, you can't, you can't move. You just can't do anything. And she, <laughs> I was laying on my stomach. So she just came over and laid on top of me, and tucked her arms and legs up in, and then just started wiggling, and she's like, I'm a shark, shark boyfriend, and then just started singing, shark boyfriend, and she wiggled on top of me, until I started laughing, I got up, fucking, that woman, she's an angel, anyway, this has been Annie's Sad Corner, uh, I was gonna say, Bill, well, so what else should we talk about? Yeah. Okay, so I got a new Disneyland book, because I'm thinking about maybe about going to Disneyland. Have I talked about this on the podcast? It's a big, I, you can't, it's a big idea. Yeah, um, Bill, Bill has never, you've never been to Disneyland, right? I've been to Disney World, but never to Disneyland. Yeah. I've, sw- I've talked about this enough now with people. I can't remember yeah. if I actually mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. But this got me thinking about how, when I was a kid, uh, my first exposure to Disney stuff in general was, uh, I had a record player, and my parents had a bunch of uh, uh, Disney record albums. I had mm-hmm. the like, Mary Poppins soundtrack of the Pinocchio I don't know if it was a soundtrack or just, like, the record of the movie or something like that. Because I think it had, like, dialogue and sound effects like that. It wasn't just the music. And, uh, yeah, we had Disco Duck, which was nice. the disco-themed Donald Duck album. Yeah, yeah. That was so stupid. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things, my, like, as a kid, I had a book about Disneyland, which was actually about Disneyland. It wasn't just, yeah. like, a kid's storybook yeah. about Disney characters, but it was very specifically, like, a big uh, part of it was about, like, the construction of Disneyland. And I remember as a kid that when I first was hearing about, like, Disney stuff, 
stuff. Like, just seeing, like, the pictures of mm-hmm. Disneyland being built with all the scaffolding and, like, yeah. all the excavation stuff. And I remember that fascinating more than anything else, even more than the fact that they have, like, characters there to hang out. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, me with the, kind of thinking about maybe going to check out Disneyland later on this year, um, got me thinking about, I wonder if I can find that book again. Because, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's been lost and destroyed at my folks' place. But, uh, so I, like, for, like, on Amazon, I found, like, a $5 copy of this book. I think it's essentially the kind of same book, but this was published in 1989. Okay. So whatever I'm looking for is something yeah. very similar, but was, like, printed, must have been printed in, like, 1979, like, 10 years earlier or something like that. But it's still kind of cool just to see. <laughs> so I guess this is a book they just called Disneyland. I guess mm-hmm. they just always have it at Disneyland. You could buy it as, as... A, um, a, souvenir. a souvenir. And really, it's just about the history of the park and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, just kind of uh, yeah. Disney nostalgia shit. Oh, no, Bill. Yeah. Which I'm sure people don't give about Dis- don't give a shit about Disney stuff on the podcast. They're like, Arr. Bill, it's so in character of you that the thing of your youth that captivated you at Disneyland was something about the creation. I of know exactly because I love that. So I'm, so, I'm such a creation-minded person that yeah. like that's the thing that always suckers me into thing is yeah. how was it produced? Oh yeah. As much as like you know, my old fascination with Star Wars is yeah. all about like as much about how those movies were made. The fact that, like, that's a fictional world on a on a movie screen that was right. actually, like, made by human hands yeah. just mystified me yeah. as a kid. Which, you know, at the cost of, like, I learned very early on that none of those characters are real and it's all fake being sure. made up, but it was even more magical that people pretending to make this Oh, yeah. Sh- you know, pretending that this is real was a thing. Like, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's like the world's biggest magic trick. Yeah. And that's the thing with Disneyland, too, because that's... It's one thing if it's a movie... And it's just a two-dimensional image projected on the yeah. screen with a soundtrack. Yeah. Disneyland's a different thing, because that's a whole world you're building, yeah, and you're fighting place. people in, and they have to walk around, yeah. and not, and like... you have to maintain it. And yeah, and you're not necessarily tricking alive. people into thinking that it's, like, a real different reality, but you still have to, like... People know that they're paying for an illusion. Right. But you still have to suspend that illusion of just kind of, like, coming in a slightly different reality. That was... Yeah. As a kid... I could always kind of like understand that, and that was kind of just really interesting to me. So, I, I it's kind of the same thing where I can imagine people who get into magic tricks, yeah, yeah as a yeah. kid, or, th- or some kind of like illusion stuff. So, it's as much about the craft as it is anything yeah, else. So. A friend of mine just went down to Florida uh, last weekend and went to the Harry Potter theme park. Oh yeah, and she was showing me all the pictures of it and telling me all about it. And uh, the thing that she kept it was so cute because all her pictures she had. I was gonna say maybe about a third of her pictures were just of the dragon on top of Gringotts. <laughs> oh yeah. And how it, it move it? apparently it moves and it breathes fire. Oh wow! It's actually very cool. But even she, she's not like a craft person. But even she was just who was this? Anyone I know? Oh no, it's just okay. a, a coworker of mine, total sweetheart. Um, but uh, have you guys bonded over Harry Potter stuff? Um, because I, mean, I know you got over Harry Potter stuff. I mean, it's like it's like that's why like saying you get over your first love or something like that. Yeah. Like I always love Harry Potter, but I my the cur- my my interest in Harry Potter was as there as long as the books are being written, yeah. and after that, I'm like, this is not really worth. Yeah, because I've run I into this really. world like I'll find out about something about Harry Potter, and I come up to you like, Handy, did you hear about this news? And you're just I'm like, like no, eh. I'm, I'm like, like, no fuck. But I brought you. I'm like a cat. I brought you this dead mouse. Why do you <laughs> like? You're just like, and eh, I get out of here. Uh-huh. I I mostly I felt all my feelings I can about Harry Potter yeah, and moved on. You use up your affection for something and then turn around and move on to the next. I have thing. a Mister Toad like fixation on things, and uh, once <laughs> like the eyes are on. Thing or anything, but yeah. uh, but anyway, um, 
Well, it's the thing is, is that because a lot of stuff that still exists in Harry Potter is not the shit that I care about in Harry well, it's Potter. Stuff from the movies and it's just well, it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the fucking the um the wizard like the fucking movie they're making because I'm curious about the wizarding world in that era. That's cool. Yeah. Like other shit, I'm like, I don't give a shit about oh this book that's that exists in the world of Harry Potter or like this yeah. play about the Marauders. Like that's not the shit I care about at all. So, but this uh, so she said that she said uh, the wizarding world of Harry Potter is amazingly well done but it's small and it is just packed with humanity because it's just she's a like, part of Universal yeah. Studios it's not a whole thing they've even expanded itself. it but it's still she's like it's so small and it, you feel like you're in a can of sardines so I was like oh, eh. but uh, uh, especially me. in Florida I asked her to get I was like I gave her some money and I was like can you please get me some garbage Quidditch thing or some garbage Weasley thing so yeah. those are my two things I'm really interested in she got you the puking pustules. she instead sh- shot me a picture of apparently at one of the shops and diagonal alley you can buy a full quidditch uniform like the gear and everything like with the padding and the shin guards and everything and i just and it's but it's like hundreds of dollars yeah and i just look at pulling it up like you're so lucky so you technically you could walk out of there yeah like in full quidditch gear like, i don't like have it in adult plus size <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, but, well, technically if you're the right size yeah, and you had the yeah. money yeah uh yeah but i was like fuck and that i just looked at her and like fuck you so this lady like pocket your twenty bucks and said, "Hey, I found oh, you no, something she, better." She well, she's genuinely. Like, it's like any theme park shit. She was like, "It was well, all twenty bucks really at the expensive. Universal theme park would get you a bottle of water." I was gonna say exactly, so yeah. she did not give me anything. But anyway, um, uh, the one thing I did this week was uh, Friday night was the 89th anniversary of the Hollywood Theater here in Portland. Hollywood Theater is one of my favorite theaters. It is a beautiful old uh, building with this gorgeous marquee and all of this, um, like this gorgeous, Google right now, Hollywood Theater Portland, and do, look at Google lobby. image search. And uh, it's got, it, it's fascinating. It was built as a silent theater slash vaudeville theater. Yeah. So I volunteered there before with some deconstruction. So I got all the backstage tour. They still have like the vaudeville dressing rooms and everything like oh, that. No, no, no. Okay, it's, yeah. it's actually a really cool space and very strange. But uh, it's they a point. Like, they, they had a Kickstarter for like a new marquee and everything, Yeah, right? they did. Yeah, I contributed to that. Okay. And, uh, Do they have um, a new, new marquee up? Yeah. Okay. It's been up for a while. Um, uh, but, uh, they, at some point in the seventies, the balcony was walled off and now there are actually two theaters up in the balcony and the main theater has Oh, that's a... right. Cause we saw the Waking Sleeping Beauty documentary yeah. there. Cause I remember yeah. like we saw it on the balcony. It was yeah. its own thing. Yeah. The two small theaters are all digital, but the main theater has a, the original from the fifties, 35 slash 70 millimeter projector. Mm-hmm. And over the last year, they've been raising money that they went, um, over the years, all the 70 millimeter parts weren't missing so the 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 projector could still play 35 but not 70 yeah so they raised money and went on this national search finding replacement parts for their 70 millimeter projector and restored it so they've started showing 70 millimeter films it's the only 70 millimeter uh uh theater in oregon did they get new seats too yeah they did a local theater chain uh, was upgrading their seats. Yeah, I think that was the the um, Lloyd Center that I yeah. like to go to. That's getting shut down later on this year. And uh, yeah, so they Gave were them their rid of, seats, they donate because you know. the Hollywood Theater is a nonprofit and they're dedicated arts education. Well, last time I was there with you, they see the Sleeping Beauty documentary. We were like mm-hmm. sick, sitting in rickety old fifty seats. Yeah. Was me me as a big fat guy. I was yeah. like I was like the fucking Pillsbury Doughboy shoved yeah. into a thimble. Yeah. I'm like, eh, this is great. Yeah. Brad Bird seems angry at everybody. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, they for their 89th birthday, they showed a 70 millimeter print of Vertigo, 
it was really cute because like a local cupcake place donated cupcakes for their birthday. Did they a have like little brewery. swirls on it, like the no, Vertigo like just... titles? But a local brewery did do a special uh, beer called the Vertigo Effect yeah. for that evening. It was actually really cute. So I went and had special. I felt more Portland eating my cupcake, my tiny cupcake too, yeah, it was yeah, a mini yeah, cupcake, yeah. and drinking my artisanal beer for this movie theater Aww. birthday. But I'd never seen Vertigo before. I ever. saw what's I. I hate Vertigo. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast where I have look you at a seen piece of film Hitchcock canon. Movie? Yes, I have. I've seen Rear Window. You've seen more I've Hitchcock seen movies Birds. than I have, but even I'm like. And I've seen. I saw one movie that I can't remember the title of. Fuck. So Vertigo. this is okay. So oh this is the God. one with James Stewart. Yeah. Uh, he gets sucked into a computer. <laughs> That's right. And he has to fight the. Fuck. Fuck Vertigo. Oh my god. And so before I'm like, I'm hearing all these people like it's their favorite movie. And granted, it was beautiful to see in 70 millimeter. It was gorgeous. Oh, sure. It was. And like. And the sound was fantastic. Well, it's. it's, it's, it's I always have, for some reason, I always remember Hitchcock movies as being black and white because. Uh, he did make a whole black, bunch of black and white movies. This is his, was like his 49th movie? Yeah, because he made a shit like, it's the one that's all colorful in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah, that exactly. was the thing. Fully Night had been to San Francisco not that long ago. And the movie, huge parts of the movie take place in, um, uh, the Legion of Honor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at this apartment slash hotel that's on the top of Knob Hill, which is right across the street from the hotel we stayed at. Oh, really? When we were at, when we were so in... So, um, is that hotel still there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Is that like, the one that she's staying in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, we, it's hilarious because Foley and I are looking at this, and Foley also grew up in the So, you didn't area. know this when you were in that hotel. No. So, now you're watching the movie yeah. this week, and you're like, oh, and I'm like, we're like oh, Jimmy Stewart is looking at her from that park across the street where there's that weird house. So it, was, it was really, that was a lot of fun. That was the best part of the movie. And he should have just gotten up and walked out. The funniest, the, there was one line in the movie where the dude, one dude says San Francisco is changing. It's not the San Francisco it was when I first got there. And I was like, oh, I just read that tweet the other day. But it's uh, it's a beautiful film. Jimmy Stewart does a phenomenal job in it. But fuck that movie! Isn't oh like, my god! This is this like, like, like a split personality? No, or okay. Like this, this? I'll remind you. This is the plot of Vertigo. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart is a cop. Yeah. And I uh, should be a detective. And in the pursuit of a uh, thief, he uh, there's a rooftop chase, and he uh, almost falls off the roof. He's clinging to this gutter. It's really terrifying. And the police officer he's with turns back and tries to help him up, but falls to his gruesome and death. And his last words is, it was a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy Stewart develops severe fear of heights. Which uh, I can appreciate because I do have a fear of heights, yeah. and I sometimes if I'm on like steep stairwell or something, I do get vertigo. Yeah. So yeah. So his phobia is so severe he quits the police force. Um, he's kind of forced to retire. So he, uh, a friend of old friend of his from his college days, resurfaces. He's become this shipping magnate because this dude married his wife and inherited the wife's uh, family company yeah. and takes care of it for her. And he calls up Jimmy Stewart and he says, "I have something strange to tell you." But I feel like I can trust you with this information. I believe my wife is possessed by a ghost. And uh, Jimmy Stewart's like, rah, rah, rah. and he's yeah, like, I I'll- need you to. I want. I don't. Before I send her to a psychiatric ward or something like that, I want you to observe her, and I just want to know where she goes because I see in her odometer she travels like. Yeah, when I saw this as a kid, this is what kind of tuned me out because like half the movie is him just trailing well, okay, her around. So this is the th- this is what kills me. So Jimmy Stewart is skeptical, but he sees this woman and immediately becomes obsessed with her, and so starts following her. And sure enough, she c- keeps going to the same places. She goes to observe this grave of this woman named Coletta in a in a graveyard, and then she goes to the 
Legion of Honor and looks at this painting that is this painting by an unknown artist. Artist donut in the hair. She of got this woman donut. named Coletta. Yeah, she has this particular thing of flowers. She's particular hair. Like yeah, and uh, she and she looks exactly like Kim Novak is playing this character. And so Jimmy Stewart, and she always buys these flowers and everything. And Jimmy Stewart starts following her, and he's like, "Oh, she's clearly obsessed with this woman, Coletta." There's one point where she goes and she has a room in this hotel, and uh, in the woman—that's the hotel the you're lobby, talking about, yeah. Uh, no, this is a different. Oh, there's a different hotel. Yeah. Okay, I, I I saw the apartment where she lives. That okay. was where I stayed. Anyway, this this rundown Victorian and beautiful building. And uh, the woman at the desk is like, yes, yeah, she comes and rents a room, She, but she just comes and sits in it like two to three times a week. She doesn't stay overnight. And Jimmy Stewart sees her go into, Kim Novak, go into this room, and he go he goes in after her and he asks, he grills the receptionist about everything. And he's like, well, I just saw her come upstairs. And the receptionist is like, she hasn't been here today. Then Jimmy Stewart makes her, goes upstairs with her and the room is indeed empty. So is he nuts? I can't remember what the... the well, let me, is. I'll keep, keep going. So yeah. he's... Uh, I should say that's the first time he goes to this hotel is when he's tracking Kim Novak and then she's not there, though he sees her there. So he's becoming more and more fixated with this. He eventually, she jumps into the bay and he goes in and saves her and she, he realizes that, yes, she's possessed by this woman and talking to the husband, he's like, yes, she was the great granddaughter of this woman, but she doesn't know that, but I do. The and Carlotta lady or the whatever. Carlotta. Yeah. And, yeah. and he falls in love with Kim, uh, Jimmy Stewart falls in love with Kim Novak but she's like no I, I feel compelled to kill myself just like Colotta did so they go to this uh, this oh so obsession suicide yeah, yeah 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 so finally she they're at this church with this high 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 spire and she breaks off runs the top throws herself off of it and Jimmy Stewart because of his fear of heights cannot stop her he cannot he gets halfway up and has to stop and just sees her fall to her death and he's just shaken by this and uh because now this this woman that he loved died before his very Doesn't eyes the nun come out? I that's remember. the end of the movie so yeah. here's the thing turns out all of this ghost story was the husband gaslighting jimmy stewart that in fact kim novak is just some woman that he hired because she looks like uh, this woman in yeah, the painting. Yeah, yeah, And because his, his wife is actually out on the coast and no one sees her. So he hires Jimmy Stewart and feeds him this story about this ghost and I guess paints and places a painting in the Legion of Honor <laughs> to continue gaslighting him? I don't know. And it's like this a really elaborate is story is so, so that Jimmy Stewart can act so that the husband has his actual wife up in the spire. So when Kim Novak climbs on top of the spire, he throws his wife off. So it's also that Jimmy M. Stewart can see this death so that the husband is not linked to the death. So when Jimmy Stewart flees the scene of the death, uh, uh, bereft, the husband and Kim Novak quietly escape. And Kim Novak goes back to her normal life in San Francisco. And then the husband now is like, Oh, my wife is dead. It's too much for me to run this company. So I'm yeah. going to sell all my interest in it and just retire and go to Europe. And so it's all just a big excuse for him to kill his wife. And I'm just sitting here like, this is the most convoluted fucking... Like, so my friend... I honestly don't even understand that twist. Like, My so... friend has a fear of heights. So I'm going to hire this woman to pretend to be my wife... And pretend to be my wife who's possessed by this ghost. Is he trying to help get him get over his fear of heights? No! Too? Or is he just using an excuse just to whack his wife? Because this way, when his wife <sighs> falls from a tower, Jimmy Stewart can't, won't be able to stop her, him. 
And is she yeah. also a statuesque blonde and gray? Oh, she's totally that's the whole story yes. of the Hitchcockian. That's totally like, a Hitchcockian. And, and, well, the thing is, is that fi- what happens is Jimmy Stewart sees the woman who is paid to pretend to be the wife, and sees her, and she's now her. She's a brunette. And she does her eyebrows different. She dresses different, everything like that. To the point where I honestly thought it was a different woman. Okay, at first. Yeah. I was like, oh, they cast someone who looks a lot like her. That's kind of interesting. But no, it actually was her because he sees her and he becomes obsessed. He like, it's actually this totally creepy scene where he like follows her to her hotel room and she's pretending that she. I mean, she is. She's now being herself. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah. Like, I don't know. You're talking about. It's like you remind me of someone. And but he does. She does love him. So they wind up going out, and he makes her change herself, like by bits and pieces. Like he buys her the gray suit. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. makes her dye her hair. He like all of this shit. Like so he makes her do her. It's hair. the wife that does die at the end, though. The uh, well, the woman. See, so finally, what happens <laughs> is, is Jimmy Stewart <laughs> goes back. the story to the studio. Seriously, like- Jimmy Stewart goes back and recreates the moment of this woman's death. Oh, okay. But he's like, this time oh, I'm so, going to change Okay, so the history. husband throwing his wife off, that's in the middle. Yeah, that's the fucking... Okay, I think, okay yeah, because like I, I, I remember story. something, someone dies and there's a bell and the... Well, so finally yeah. at the end, so uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart is like, I'm going to change history because now I've made you look like this woman and now I'm going to send you up the tower and save you and I'm going to be stronger than my fear. But at, and she's like freaking out and rightfully so because he's he's really acting on hinge like Jimmy Stewart is fucked up in this yeah. movie and so he finally gets to the top of the ha- tower and she's crying and he's getting more and more brusque and terrifying and uh, finally when they're at the top of the bell tower he confronts her and he's like I know that you actually are her like what did you do were you the husband's piece on the side did he just throw you away like how could you do this blah 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 and she's just freaking out and he's furious and then a nun appears at the top of the tower and the Kim Novak is scared and falls to her death and that's the end of the movie. Jimmy Stewart looking out at uh, on this bell tower that at this woman. Like a dumb movie. It is the dumbest story <laughs> and like I'm going into this movie and I'm like this this has been voted the best movie of the last hundred years many times. And like there was there was a lot of cool cinematography stuff. The opening credits by Saul Bass. Did you know that Saul Bass is really cool? Did good stuff? I know this is my hot take. Uh, <laughs> I remember what's what's the toy in the eighties and the nineties? You could draw loop de loops and like oh, a yeah, little yeah, red plastic thing. Sort of thing. He yeah. just used that and said, yeah. "Hey, I made your end credits for you. Yeah. Give me fifty cents." There's like a cool trippy like psychedelic sequence halfway through that shows like Jimmy Stewart going through his mania. Yeah, and Jimmy Stewart does an amazing job in that film. He does a really good job. But the movie it he goes from zero to being in love with this woman, and, they, and then he's just obsessed. And I don't you know I don't know. It's just really not a good movie. I mean, it's beautifully filmed, and it's kind of well. Those things where I wonder just because it's Hitchcock, people's like, well, especially people say like, like, uh, people do say it's one of like, not even that it's a good movie, but they do say that like some people do say it's the best movie ever made, mm-hmm. or at least the best Hitchcock yeah. movie ever made, and yeah, it's not good. Do it you, is so. Do you like Hitchcock movies? I've only seen a handful, but I really like the ones. I've Because I need to go back. Because I've only seen bits and pieces like North by Northwest. I kind of slept through. I've never through. seen North by Northwest. Foley's favorite movie is Rear Window. So uh, I've seen her window the with her. the lady from, from Casablanca? It's black and white. I, I, I've I only seen The Birds. The Birds. The rear Window and one other movie. You never saw Shirley. Psycho... I've never seen Psycho. Psycho's dumb. 
It's black and well, white. I want to continue like... see... Now, I want to go back and watch more Hitchcock movies. Okay, we need to educate ourselves on Hitchcock movies so we can converse and talk about this. Man, fucking I've not been, ever Virgo. been impressed by Hitchcock movies. What is interesting is the movie is visually very stunning and, like, there's all these beautiful shots and, like, there's one scene where they're emerging from the woods and it's, like, these beautiful redwoods that are, like, hundreds of... Like, thousands yeah, of years old. Yeah, because I've seen clips and the movie looks really pretty. Like, it's nicely well, shot. Well, let me finish what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's a moment where, like, it's... They're, like, it's, they're shrouded in darkness from all these trees, but they're emerging in the light and they're emerging from the darkness. It's really good. But... And one of the interesting things is that at the end, the movie is all very visually dialed in and very, you know, everything. Seems like the hot point is supposed to be a little buttoned down and kind yeah, of like, well, yeah. at the very end, when Jimmy Stewart is confronting her in the clock tower, and or should be in the a bell tower, and he's, like, screaming at her, I couldn't tell. So this, this transfer I was looking at was actually a transfer made from a 35mm print mm-hmm. to 70mm. And so I was oh, so it's kind of blown up, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it works because that's how film works. Yeah. But, um... The, you want, yeah. Well, I know. I know. My point is, motherfucker, <laughs> is that your point. Uh, the, there's a shot at the end where, where he's confronting her in the tower, and um, the he he and she are really out of focus. Like, the the focus isn't pulled correctly. And I thought, is it, was it the transfer yeah, or something? Yeah. Did they do something wrong? But then I realized that the the edge of the bell tower is perfectly in focus. That it's just that they're not Yeah, it's in not like focus. the whole shot's fucked up, but and something's, it, but it yeah. Was, it was interesting because for a movie that was all dialed in, that this moment where everything is coming apart and there's extreme confrontation, like, that the film is misfocused. Like, I yeah. thought that was interesting. Like I said, first I thought it was a mistake. Yeah, Hitchcock doesn't do anything like that unless there's, there's some kind of reason to it. It was, yeah. it was I found it on, just, like, uh, off-putting, but it was interesting. Like, I don't know. Fuck Vertigo. Yeah. Fuck that classic I need to of go cinema. Because, like, when I first started to watch uh, uh, Hitchcock and stuff, it was always, like, maybe back in high school or something like that, we're like, I'm going to educate myself on film. Man, Hitchcock. And it was just kind of like... I could watch this, or I could ro- watch Robot Jocks. I could watch Back <laughs> to the Future again. Yeah. There's a thousand other things I could be doing. I'd be fucking playing Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Rudigo is a slow build. It's just well, even if you were watching it at home, and you can kind of stop it and kind of take it piecemeal, but if you're in a the no, theater, you really you have to do swallow. need to watch it as a whole. Like, it really doesn't even mm. consume as a whole. But it's because it was a fl- box office flop when it came out, right? And I'm reading this little flyer, and they're like saying, oh, well, you know, Hitchcock said it was because Jimmy Stewart was too old and everything. And I'm like, no, because that movie is convoluted. As fuck. It and has nothing to do with Michael Jackson's skin disease. No one's like <laughs> discolored or anything like that. Uh, what, but and the thing is, so I'm like, okay, well, if Jimmy Stewart was just becoming obsessed, I'm like, then what? Ha- what happened with the where she disappears in the hotel? I wonder if you saw it again. Maybe you could like maybe it made know. more sense than the rather than it's the first blush. It's just that story. Is this the movie that convoluted murder mystery? Is this the movie that came up with the weird dolly yeah, shot the, zoom thing yeah, where it like stretches coat, space? Yeah, 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 that like the gets used in effects. Jaws and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's used and uh, yeah to to simulate that fear of heights and shit. Yeah. It's, it's fuck vertigo. Jimmy Stewart was amazing. Jimmy Stewart, man. Jimmy Stewart's always fun to watch in anything because he's he's. You believe? I mean, he he gives that role one hundred ten percent. Like he's hmm. the best part of that movie. Where anyone else, that movie would be. Was that made awful. like late fifties? I can't remember. Cause I remember it's color. Sixties. Like, like that kind of weird poppy kind of late late fifties early sixties kind of color. Yeah. Um, man, have we talked about Citizen? We must have talked about Citizen Kane on the yeah. podcast before, right? I still have not seen Citizen Kane, but yeah. Man, did I lend you the Blu-ray of it? Because I could, I think I must have offered the last one we you, talked. You about. offered, and I said no. Uh, what I was supposed to be doing something the other night. Oh, Virgo is fifty-eight. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I was doing something the other night, and I was like. I feel like something w- uh, about watching something about a fat, self-indulgent, self-loathing, fat white guy. <laughs> uh-huh. What should I watch? I was like, oh, 
Citizen Kane. So I watched Citizen Kane twice uh-huh. this weekend. Yeah, that's well, there's nothing to talk about. Well, then again, I don't remember Vertigo, and you just uh, yeah told me all about Vertigo. Citizen Kane's a good movie! I need to go. Citizen Kane's another movie where, like, kind of like the Hitchcock stuff, I try to watch it in, in high school, because everyone's, like, kind of like with Vertigo. Well, Citizen Kane is the one movie that, it, like, yeah. has been historically claimed more yeah. often than not. The it's the best Bioshock movie of all movies. time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, did you see the conversation with the, 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 the Fulbright crew? Because yeah, they yeah, were, like, fine. we were chatting about that, yeah. yeah. And uh, it really is the Bioshock Infinite. Well, even, like, its tone and everything like that, it's a good, I don't want to talk it up too much because everyone else in the world has talked it up yeah. much. But if you take it on its own merits, it's a really, it's got a really kooky narrative because it's about the guy he dies at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, and they show a film reel that goes on for like 15 minutes showing off his whole life mm-hmm. and so there's nothing uh, that goes on for the rest of the movie that you don't know is going to happen yeah. because they tell you they they summarize yeah. his entire life for you the, like the first 20 minutes of the movie but it's just interesting to see this fractured narrative of this guy going like it's because the whole point of Citizen Kane is uh, uh, Orson Welles' <coughs> uh, character Charles Foster mm-hmm. Kane is a super rich guy who dies all alone and his last words are Rosebud and so uh, news guys are trying to figure out exactly what Rosebud is. Mm-hmm. And um, and so most of the movie, after you see this newsreel that these news guys have put together summarizing his life, they're trying to figure out, well, we want to go deeper. We want to find out what this Rosebud is. Mm-hmm. We want to find out more about the man because we just did this newsreel about the facts, but we want to find out who this guy really was. And so they send one news reporter who goes off and talks to like four or five people who are the closest to Charles Foster Kane. And so you get to see all the events kind of depicted in that newsreel at the beginning of the movie through the eyes of this these people that this news reporter interviews and things are out kind of like because they kind of he interviews different people and they're talking about different aspects of this guy's life and so it's not necessarily linear they're mm-hmm. jumping back and forth and stuff so he's like some of the stuff uh, first the person they interview is talking about like the stuff that happened right before to, to the old guy right before he died mm-hmm. and they jump back to when he was a first a kid and it's just a really interesting kind of fractured narrative mm-hmm. of, of this guy's life mm-hmm. but it is about an old white power mongering mm-hmm. fat white guy well, so that was one it, of the things i w- i think that bothered me about uh vertigo yeah was so there are two women in it yeah isn't there a lady that he hanging out with like an apartment midge midge is my is favorite character in the movie yeah so he they were went to college together and they're dear friends and they were engaged at some point she broke it off and they're very clearly they still have feelings for each other she doesn't become a thing at the end of the movie well that's a weird thing so what happens is is like he's she's her his friend yeah and uh he he'll go out there and bother her because he's like he's like he says i'm gonna work or anything he's like hey we can hang out but she's got a life and things to do and so he'll just kind of drift by, and she very clearly still has feelings for him. And she, yeah, because they kind of a slightly kind biggest, of flirty, friendly There's a great moment in the movie where she she knows that he's fixated with this lady, yeah. and he sees he. In fact, she goes by to check on him, and he she sees this woman emerge from his apartment at night, and she's like, "Oh, you really are getting into this crime, yeah. aren't you?" And so, and he and he tells her about the painting, the Legion of Honor. So she and she's a painter. So she paints that painting that's yeah. at the Legion of Honor, except instead of being Kim Novak, it's her Aww. with her glasses and everything. And it got a huge laugh. It was funny, but it's also a terrible thing to do to someone who you know is descending. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. So, and she and she's like, fucking idiot, and really beats herself up about it. But then it, when he finally, when, when the woman jumps off the 
the bell tower, he thinks. He's committed to a psych ward. Yeah, yeah, And she goes and sees him and tries to cheer him up. And there's this whole scene where she talks to a doctor. And, and she's basically like, you're too far gone because he was in love with her. And he still is in love with her. Mm-hmm. And then she just walks. And she, and she, the last thing she says to Jimmy Stewart is basically, I'm not going to give up on you. And then you see her talk to the doctor. And like, it's, this is never going to work. Then you see her walk along the hallway. And she disappears from the movie with the rest yeah. of the movie. Because I remember, like, whenever the first one time I watched it, I was waiting for her to yeah. uh, come back yeah. and become more of a thing. And, yeah. like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I, afterwards, Ugh. I was like, fucking, if you're going to do a gender swap gaslighting and gaslighting the woman doesn't save herself, I'm like, this yeah, dude comes in and saves that's her. I'm like, point, yeah. I kind of went midge to kill Jimmy Stewart or something. Like, <laughs> something, yeah. Save him from himself. Oh, God. But I just, and in that moment, to be fair, I've been struggling with depression. I've been struggling with my addiction slash obsession issues. And um, I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about suicide lately. A friend in the family committed suicide this week, and I struggle with suicidal thoughts myself and have. <sighs> made some attempts in my time and uh, it was really like it was not the right moment for me to see this movie yeah! I'll say that in full disclosure but there was also something about just like this dude like d- destroying the women around him and to be fair kinda self-indulgent kind of like, I just left that movie and I was like I don't give a shit about this guy's problem yeah so that's why it's hard Fuck for me to rec- wholeheartedly really recommend Citizen Kane because uh, it's a little like if, if you're a fat white guy with delusions of grandeur you're like yeah yeah and give your hands that's the movie. thing yeah it's like I don't know like I've gotten to this point in my life where like I want women I want to obs- uh, uh, consume media where there's at least something where a woman is something you want Citizen Carol Kane <laughs> well what made me that would be a great movie by the way <laughs> hey like, oh my god Carol Kane that would be amazing <laughs> hey I'm on the set uh, of the Princess Bride Foley and I were talking about because we were talking about other movies we've seen at uh, the Hollywood and we would go see Key Largo there and Key Largo is a Humphrey oh, that's, Bogart uh, they're stuck movie. in the with the yeah, gangsters in the, in the hotel. hotel yeah. yeah, it's a really good movie. It's a prequel to Hateful Eight. That's correct. Uh, but uh, there are two women in the movie. There's uh, yeah. uh, Lauren Bacall, well, this... who's really not given much to do. Mm-hmm. But the other woman is actually kind of an interesting character. I can't remember who... She's uh, she's, she's the, like the she's run the gangster. Hotel? No, no, no. She's the gangster's mall. Oh, uh, Lauren Bacall that. helps run the hotel. Yeah. But she's the gangster's mall, and she very clearly once was young and pretty and the singer and everything, and the gangster has her. But the gangster doesn't love her anymore, and yeah. she knows it, and she's just waiting to be thrown off. Pretty Weirdly much. Really played by Carol Kane. That's right. Damn. And she's, Max, what are you she's doing? an alcoholic. Okay. And like the most, and she gives a hell of a performance. And granted, she's still she's caught in these men's like orbit and everything. But it's just like she's given something to do other than just stand there and be uh, abandoned and pretty. Yeah. And uh, it's just at least it's interesting. And then the last night I uh, um. Uh, Claire Hummel, this artist that Bill and I both really admire, uh, on on Twitter was saying, she was like, I feel like watching a Western. I'm going to watch The Oxbow Incident. I'd never heard of this movie. So I was like, oh, if Claire Hummel, who really likes Western... I'm surprised, because I've never seen it, but I've heard of it, yeah. I I will watch this movie. And I watched it last night. And it's actually interesting. Uh, Afterwards, (laughs) I was like... Was it good? Did you like it? It was. Okay, good, good, good. And afterwards, I fully asked me what it was about. I'm like, well, it's basically 12 Angry Cowboys... Cause it's uh, this, this is not about them hanging the guy, right? Yeah. Okay, this is every time you mentioned a western, like last six months, I'm like, yeah. is this the one where they're where they're debating kill, yeah. hanging the guy? It's an this was my western. dad's favorite western. It's a really good one. I, he tried to make me watch it a couple times when I was like, it's eight? very slow. And I was like, it is not uh, a good western. Yeah, it's fascinating because it's it's this small town, and one of the first things is that Henry Fonda and his bro are kind of wandering through. They've been here before. It's black and white, right? It is black. And okay, white. yeah. And they come into town, and there's been a cow rustling, and this a man is dead. 
The sheriff is off at the man's. Well, if you wrestle a cow, you're going to get wiped out. A uh, man, a uh, uh, dude is, uh, the sheriff yeah, is off at the. I about wrestling. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, Shut up, The Phil. sheriff okay. is off at the dude's ranch investigating the murder. Yeah. And, and the and r- 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 news gets out in town, and the whole town is up in arms. And one of the first things that happens is Henry Fonda comes into town, finds out that his girl, who he comes to visit sometimes, is not there anymore. That she's gone off. She's left. And he's like, well, fuck, what the fuck else is there to do in the town? And the bartender says, well, basically, you can get in a fight, you can get drunk, you can play poker. Yeah. You can sleep. That's all, you, that's all there is to do in this town. So, um... When the news of this murder come up, the whole town gets whipped up in a fervor. And it's interesting because very click- quickly there are all these little sketches of archetypes. They're like they're like thirty seven. That's dudes great when there's a whole movie. bunch of characters when like you you have yeah. enough time to kind of like this like they they actually at least have a moment or two just to define yeah. themselves. Like they're, you'll just get yeah. little things like there's this dude who's a fallen who's a general, but the rumor is that he never even saw the well, war. Well, especially if you're going to move this movie where people want to be debating something, you yeah. want to at least have a handle on who they are, and whether yeah. per, per, what they're perspective is yeah and uh so in uh, so uh, uh, these dudes they form a posse they are like oh the dudes went over the mountains with these cattle they go up and they capture them and uh they they there it's this this whole big movie that really the movie is about these people trying to decide if they're gonna hang and kill these dudes when yeah. the whole group is pretty much against them and henry fonda and a handful are against the murder um, and uh one of the interesting things is that in this big group of dudes there is a lady there's a random lady who's just yeah. like she's just in her in her cowboy gear and so like, she's a cowboy too. It's not like she's yeah. like the local school. I mean, mom she's or a big like fat lady. Is kind of, I'm okay, like, oh, yeah. I could dress up like this lady. I feel great. <laughs> but it's just kind of interesting that it's only because they're like 30 men and they need to have like some memorable characters. something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. oh, let's put a lady. I think at a point they were like, you know what, we might have to flip gender for one of these characters. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was just kind of nice. It was like, hey, look at this. She's a cool character aside from just being broad. Well, I mean, she's she's interesting in that she's just this big brassy bella woman. Okay. And yeah. She's actually when they eventually spoilers hang these men. She's 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 one of the only ones who's man enough to actually like um, slap the horse and make and the actually horse make ride it off make and, it happen. Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. but it's a good it's a it's a very quiet. Did she vote, did she vote to hang them too? Oh yeah. Okay, I don't know if it was one of those things where she's one of the dudes. Even though she voted against she's it, she's no. well into that like well, see, how white democracy do its thing. No, then, no, yeah. she's not. She's one of the bad quote unquote bad people in that movie. And uh, yeah, it's just it's it was a good it was a good movie. I highly recommend it. Uh, but it the is it feels thing. it goes it goes right up there with Twelve Angry Men and uh, Paths of Glory. Like you can make quite the triple feature of those three Fucking movies. Paths of Glory. That's the Kubrick movie. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah with my that, favorite Kubrick. Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Uh, have you seen you've seen that uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, right? I have read the book many times. Have you ever seen the books movie? I and I've seen the movie. Oh, okay. I just started watching the movie. I didn't finish it. I've seen the movie a bunch of times. I've read the book before. I was too. Well, we both have. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? We both, but yeah, we, we've talked about the ham shit on the podcast before. I just started watching a little bit last night before I had to go to bed. Well, mm-hmm. because I got the new Harper Lee book that you are not allowed to really buy if you want to not get killed by other people on social media. Now, I guess. Um, are you tempted to read that at all? No, I've got it. If you want to borrow With all it. the kerfuffle around the release, I know what supposedly Harper Lee did say according to the independent investigation did you see the onion she's article old. yeah where she was like what was it like she's gonna write a third book it's like my it's called like yeah my, my agent deserves my all my money or something yeah uh um, fucking, dude laney is old as shit and kind of senile well that's what i give a debating. shit what she says yeah like i'm just morbidly curious because i like to kill a mockingbird oh, sure. enough i'm just kind of curious well, to see what I the first draft know, of see, the that's book the thing. is that's the thing that yeah. i think is getting missed a lot because i love people 
Atticus yeah. Finch was secretly racist. You know, like, you know, there's different drafts of books characters change. Yeah. It's not like she's saying that Atticus Finch turned into a crazy old man, yeah. racist man later or anything like that. Well, and it's interesting it's... because one thing that I read about it, that it, it was just one of those things that speaks to the value of a good editor. Yeah. Is someone who would look at that. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by it, but I also love To Kill a Mockingbird so much. I don't know if I need to this temper is, my memory This seems to be separate because it's an older, version. it kind of, it takes place in the same town. It's, right. it's, it's Jim, well, or uh, Scout Finch. Scout. Yeah, yeah, she's coming back it takes place like in the 50s when she it was actually written it takes place when it was written at like mid 50s mm-hmm. it's it's her coming back to visit her old hometown i literally i'm on like page 10 where she gets off the train mm-hmm. and her her dad's her dad's supposed to be waiting there supposedly setting black people on fire i don't know what the hell's <laughs> gonna happen um but i, I don't know, know all the kinda... articles and it's like all these white people who name their children atticus oh my, and they're so angry <laughs> like you fuck that's one of the i hate to see it but i'm actually kind of not a glad, but all these people hold up. Atticus Finch has always been this yeah. like paragon of like white people could be good and perfect too, even racist nineteen fifties. Yeah. Well, technically, it's depression era. It takes place during the nineteen thirties. Even white people. That's proof. He's one of our paragons that like, we'll, he's one we'll, of the good guys. we'll try to defend it like a defenseless yeah. black guy, but he's a yeah. fictional character. They hold yeah. him up like he's the white Martin Luther King. Yeah. And I do love those people getting tweaked a little bit. Yeah. Like, well, no, like yeah. technically in the first draft he was an asshole too. Like, yeah, yeah well that's and actually if 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 Harper Lee were to suddenly uh, like Doctor Who regenerate and become new Harper Lee <laughs> and like try to rewrite this as in the legitimate sequel or prequel that would be interesting to find out that like maybe Agnes French before he became an SK was a racist mm-hmm. like if you canonically make that I, mean, I don't know you could oh, but like I like the idea of characters having extra dimensions but, yeah. and that's not really Change what happened because like I said this is essentially uh, a first draft and of not even a first draft because it's not like the same things happen but like I guess what happened was her editor just read Ghost Set of Watchmen and was like, mm-hmm. this is interesting, but we think it would be better if you told this kind of like, yeah. if you did a book about this community from the from a young version of this main yeah. character. And well, because the thing is, those were some of my favorite parts of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> it was about, like, that period of time in the South. There's no ham in this book. And having it be kind of this 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 twerpy little tomboy. Those were the things. The thing that resonated with me was, like, Scout and well, shit, thing, like, you look pretty as a picture, he don't say a picture of what. Like, that's <laughs> what... That's what I always that's loved what, about. And when it's just a whole bunch of adults just sitting around talking about racism, it's a little bit less like, I Because the book is a, obviously... Well, I do have the book more, if you ever want to borrow it. I may one day, but I don't know. All the you shit about the best about part about the book is the production design. They actually yeah. made it up to look like an old book from, like, 1950s. Yeah, the, the art actually, around it is And fantastic. even the way that's printed with, like, kind of the offset rough pages and stuff like that. As well, an object, things, it's very nice to hold in your hands. One of the things that people were calling out that's kind of fascinating is that this is a book with, like like five sentences on the typeface but with no preface no preface to contextualize like this was a rough draft no yeah that they this present that this, this is the book yeah yeah this it's is like no, no context context or anything like that which i think is kind of yeah. is kind of i i will i always enjoy reading books more n- knowing the context around them like for example one of the Best my one of my best experiences in, in my entire education was in my sophomore year of high school. We read um uh oh fuck uh the book with the Winhams and he go Gulliver's Travels. There we go. Yeah, the horse. People. We read Gulliver's Travels and we were the whole time. Is that a book? It is. <laughs> okay, because I know it's, it's a, a really good book. I can't remember it was an actual if, book. If 
you're taking a class on it because it's like all a satire, it's a satire of, of shit that was yeah, going you on. Need context. Like really detailed satire. And because otherwise it's Alice in Wonderland. It's exactly. just a bunch of random shit for and like four years. That was always pages. how it was presented to me. Like See, it's a children's story. No. And that class, like we spent like a semester reading that book and talking about the political context of it. And it became one of my most beloved memories. And now I really love that book. Just and now I can't remember any of that. See, context, I love kind of, well, again, that kind of stuff appeals to me with like the making of stuff. Like yeah. seeing where something germinated from as much as like what the product is and like knowing all the shit that happened with mary shelley in the context of frankenstein and then the context of her parents like how that influenced frankenstein well that's kind of like the citizen kane thing is a little more interesting when you find out that uh uh it was essentially orson welles tweaking uh uh was it hearst the, yeah, the newspaper yeah, magnet yeah. and like this is essentially his attack on Hearst yeah. and it's kind of like a half-assed biography of Hearst and realizing that actually came from a real place and the fact that he was only 25 and only really done radio and this is his first movie makes yeah. it a little more interesting even though that's I don't know there's totally value with experiencing art on its own terms there yeah. is but I feel like something like this there's a certain responsibility to present it with some sort of context. And I feel like that's really... And that's the most damning thing, is that they have never been able to actually get any words out of Harper Lee herself. Anything can, can be from saying, this is what I think. This is... It's well, always been... It's like, I, mean, this is like, what Harper Lee says about her... Well, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. like... Uh, they they if Harper Lee was really on board with this, all it would take was a couple words from Harper Lee saying, "Yeah, I check off on this officially." Not like from her lawyer saying, "Yeah, well, she didn't say no." That's not an answer to any of this. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I feel too weird about it to actually. Get but I still, for it. it's kind of like knowing that they're supposed to be. Po- well, okay. So what's his name? Uh, fucking to kill, not to kill. Who's the guy who wrote the book about the guy with the hat? Wow. And the ducks. The ducks on the pond. Oh, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah, guy yeah. died, like, a couple years ago. Yeah. And so they announced, Steinbeck, like... Steinbeck, right? They, yeah, Steinbeck. Uh, uh, Larry Stinkums. <laughs> His name was the Grapes of Wrath. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking uh, Salinger died a couple oh, years Salinger, ago. Oh, Salinger, not Salinger. And, uh... Well, they're both S. Yeah. If you're playing Wheel of Fortune, I you're really, already halfway there if you get the S. My sad thing is I was an English major, and I know nothing about literary It's canon. tired. None of us had caffeine, really, today. Come <laughs> on. It's it's totally cool. Uh, well, they announced that he's gonna, the, like, the, like, I think maybe within the next couple of years going to start publishing some of his stuff but some of the, his works that he wrote while he was like off on away and being crazy did get leaked online you can find it illegally yeah. if you can yeah and if you happen to find it and you happen to be someone like me uh-huh. not me but if you read some of those uh-huh. works there is like a fucking tingle you get from like yeah. these are words from an author who i would never think yeah. i would in my life i would ever read a new piece of work from and that yeah. is interesting yeah especially if it's someone you read like in high school yeah. and maybe like because I'm like, if you're in middle school or high school and you're like being forced to read books, yeah, yeah, you're kind of like fuck this shit. But sometimes you might find books that I actually really like. Yeah, I'm like that's the like Walking Bird, uh, like Handmaid's t- Tale, yeah, which I've never read. I know they came out with a movie in like 1991. Oh, no. I Handmaid's, saw the poster. You would actually really like him. I'm sure. Yeah. You really well, would. Who wrote that? It was Margaret Atwood. It's actually shamefully the only Margaret Atwood book I've ever read. She has a whole big body of work. Oh, I yeah. just know them. I know it's. Oh yeah. Ladies are red. There's babies. Are you turn into baby factories. To, you need to. Re- you build. So you it's like would, Fallout. It's it's shelter post, the It's book. like a post apocalyptic sci fi. Yeah. It's actually really. You would really like. Unless it. it has Mel Gibson in it. I would. Th- Bill. The reason why I really want you to read that is that irrationally, I want to see how you would design the poster of Handmaid's Tale, because I think you would really. Man, my perfect fantasy is I want Handmaid's Tale to be adapted into a comic by Emily Carroll. That would be my perfect, my perfect fantasy. Or, or Dylan McConus, frankly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because it's, it's just, 
it's all about the terror of being a woman, but it's really oh, fucking good. Now I want to go back and reread it. Okay. Anyway, uh, continue. Yes. Uh, speaking of the terror of being a woman. Yes. Karen. 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 Are you talking about Steven Universe? Steven. <laughs> I don't know why I made that joke. I immediately knew what you were talking about. Yes, the Steven bomb continued this week. Let's stop talking about classic works of literature and movies. Let's talk about Steven Maybe Universe. That's why I wanted to talk about a good cartoon. Uh, the Steven Spoilers bomb was for Steven Universe. Week, yeah. And uh, it was really good, Steven Universe. I was only a little bit disappointed at the end because it was a little bit like the last episode where they tie up. Well, so, like so, Garnet and Pearl are on the outs for most of the week yeah. because Garnet or uh, Pearl tricks Garnet into fusing into yeah. Sardonyx, what did turn out to be like I uh, predicted last week. Had to have been a good guy because there could be only yeah, so many bad guys. You were correct. You realistically you were sick correct. on these. I didn't even think it might be a f- new fusion we haven't seen before though. Yeah. That was kind of a surprise. Yeah. Sardon- well, technically, we saw a glimpse of another new fusion this week That's- too. Do we? In the uh, in the ridiculous play, the cr- the fusion what the creature this? that saves them is a fusion. It applies of garnet, amethyst, pearl, and rose. that is the cl- and like well that's the thing I didn't really think about what all four of those guys would yeah. look like. And then I think it was Emily Carroll on Twitter who was like, well that's probably just what the big statue. Uh, it of them. was not Emily Carroll. Who was it? It was I don't know, but Emily doesn't watch. Well, Emily, no, not Emily Carroll. Uh, Claire Hummel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was oh, Claire yeah. Hummel. At least she was involved in the conversation. She was like, oh no, I think it's probably just what the statue that everyone lives in the the, the crystal temple. Oh. that's probably just what they look like when they're all fused together. And how they had a statue made of them. It could have huh. even been the people who first moved to. Could have been cavemen living on the fucking Cave beach Cave. city and like. That was interesting. That was an interesting episode just because uh, that was the first time where you really get are confronted with the how long they've been there. Yeah, like they've alluded at least to it and everything for like a that. couple of centuries. At yeah. least living there specifically. Yeah. yeah, and it just makes you, it made me think a lot more about Rose and Rose when Greg asked Rose, "Have you ever loved a human before?" And she mm-hmm. says, "Yes." Like it makes you wonder. It's like hmm. what happened there. That show is so good and so subtle. Oh! They're good at keeping multiple threads of shit going on at the same time, too, so it's not just... Yeah. This week I actually had my favorite episode of Steven Universe of all time. Was Keystone it? Motel. Oh, not Onion Friend? Onion, that was actually, I hate Onion, but that Onion? was a really good <laughs> Onion Predictably, episode. Onion is my favorite character on the show. <laughs> uh, and that was also a good episode because it was about Keystone? Amethyst. Amethyst need, uh, like the importance of having people that you talk to about your problems. Which episode? Oh, Onion Friend. That was friend. the Onion Friend. Yeah, yeah and I liked them. Um, Vidalia? Yeah! She's kind of like the strung out mom. Not strung out, but she's kind of like a little, like, blown out, like, hey, how you doing? She's gotten older. Because it's only been, like, 15 years since the last time, like, because we first see Vidalia in Greg's flashback telling uh, Stephen how he first met Rose That's Quartz. That's true! You do see and that. And so Greg, I mean, yeah. granted, Greg's lost his hair and got a little yeah, fatter, yeah. but... I like the line that, yeah, Greg used to be hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that was nice seeing him like that. Uh, 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 I wonder if Vidalia was the one who painted the painting of Rose Quartz. If yeah. she was uh, hanging out with, like, because oh, they get, you know, point. there's a whole couple things like that. So, it, the interesting, you can't help but compare Steven Universe to Adventure Time. And the thing about yeah. Adventure Time, well, I mean, just because they're, you know, uh, just well, they came from the same DNA brew of, yeah. What's fascinating about Adventure Time is Adventure Time doesn't have canon until it does, and then it will gleefully disregard it. Yeah. The thing about Steven Universe is it really feels like a lived in. It's a grounded world, world where things have happened. And, yeah. But they never hit you over the head with anything. 
It's yeah. all very organic. It's environmental storytelling. It's kinda. so good. No, but it is. Like, it pays like it helps to pay attention to details. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't so like. Good. They don't they hinge don't... like mysteries on like no. who you have to pay attention. Yeah. They don't send you on a chase no. for details. But it's just right there if you like pay there. attention. Yeah. And because that's ultimately less important than the, char- than the characters, and the mysteries are only important in that when they Im- well, just, affect characters. Even Vidalia and Amethyst talking about like her history a little bit. Like it suddenly yeah. turns into a comedic scene. Uh, scene where Steve and Onion are kind of like fucking with each other. Well, actually, more Onion acting it's crazy. Onion, onion, but you hear in the background, like, Vanilla yeah. is kind of saying, oh, yeah, no, I was hanging out with these guys, but that didn't work out, so I'm now yeah. with Yellowtail. And, like, yeah. you kind of get the gist that, like, okay, she broke up, and, like, you know, they're like she, she, she has two sons from yeah. different fathers, and she's kind of telling the tale. And, you know, like, yeah. you don't really have to pay attention to it because Onion's being a fucking psycho. Yeah. And, man, when they're going into the Onion secret room, we're yeah, like, this so is going to be bad. <laughs> oh, this is going to be bad. And, like, I know he's stuck, and he's not going to run away, but he knows Onion's just horrible, horrible person. And the best part is... One of my favorite things the whole fucking week of episodes, Onion's giant fat suitcase of money. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's never called it's just a random prop in the background. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, this guy's gonna grow, he's gonna, he's probably gonna be the villain in Tarantino's next movie. No, he's like, he's like Looper, this, the yeah. rainmaker. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the hell's going on? This kid's gotta, I don't yeah. know, anyway, but yeah, when then they, 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 that's when they show off the adventure gals. Like, yeah, yeah, that was so and good. And Karen, and the adventure <laughs> girl, and just like. That was so good. Oh my god! Of this show, uh, uh, Keystone Motel was. Man, it was my favorite eh. episode of Steven Universe of all time. Eh, I was hot and cold about it. <laughs> no, that was that was. No, oh, it's nice to see actually uh, Ruby and Sapphire actually turn into characters and yeah, not just. Well, like... and that that episode actually, my wife and I watched the episode and then had a really good talk about our relationship because that who's who. Uh, oh, I, well, we take turns, to say but that mostly automatically. I yeah. have a really bad habit of wanting to forgive people because I can't. It hurts too much to not forgive people, yeah. and I just want to move. I so desperately want to move on through hardship. You, you've experienced spot. this yeah. in my fucking life. Well, I get some part of you. Like it's not like you're yeah. And Foley wants to be angry, and you're allowed to be angry. It's valid to feel emotion. I have seen Foley go, go off model and become poorly animated a little bit. <laughs> and I yeah. loved all the glory. That was so good. But yeah, Foley uh, and I actually had a really good talk after that. Well, episode. that's that makes sense because. And then they like the fucking Laffy Saffy. That episode is good oh, as Laffy shit. Sa- that was I was kind of I was having a good shit. time when then they said the Laffy Saffy, and I'm like, oh, that was just good like, man. As shit. That makes everyone freaking out about Garnet and Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. That kind of like I was like, okay, not that I was never not on board, but yeah. that totally sealed the deal. As they felt actually felt like an actual couple. Yeah. Really, they weren't just like this. some kind of storytelling. One of my favorite thing. little subtext things from this week of the Steam Bomb was actually the Mare Dewey episode because. I don't know if you've ever seen the Tumblr Steven Universe fandom, but any Tumblr fandom is insane. But, like, Tumblr loves to pile on Pearl as being a problematic character. Oh, no, I tweeted extensively about this, about how everyone... Well, it's... It's a combination of Tumblr and the Steven Universe audience. Yeah. There's a lot of young people There's involved. a lot of young people. And so they just see Pearl as being this, like, she's just the annoying mom. She's yeah. the wet blanket. Yeah. No one... Oh, man. And then they put Garnet and Amethyst on a pedestal, even though Amethyst is a wrecking ball, and Garnet is, like, it can be cruel. I think when you find out, because they're obviously setting up a story for Pearl, this is something I didn't notice was the first time Jasper shows up, Mm -hmm. and I didn't recognize this, but um, when she's, like, telling off the crystal gems, like, essentially threatening, like, we're going to destroy you guys, she refers to Pearl as a defective Pearl. Yeah. I didn't realize. I thought she just calls her defective Pearl, not a defective Pearl. Well, and Pearl refers to herself as a Pearl. Again, this time. So this obviously sets, sets up, she's actually some kind of like product of like some kind of pearl army or something like yeah. that and I, 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 I doesn't take a lot to imagine that like 
Rose somehow rescued her, allowed yeah. her to be the former identity, which really kind of makes sense that like that's why With she's so worship of Rose Quartz because yeah. everything she owed, like everything she is as a person that she can owe to Rose Quartz, and essentially Rose Quartz was her liberator. Yeah, and like there's gonna be a backstory there that's gonna yeah. make a lot of people go, oh well, man, what I really Pearl's loved. Got, like we understand what's going on. Pearl now. So Tumblr loves piling on Pearl, and I love that this week's episode Pile literally, literally was uh, uh the whole. I mean, it was a very subtle thing. Where it's like, hey, characters are more interesting with flaws, and they're much more lovable and interesting that way. And then Pearl is the only gem in that episode too. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was a great. Like, I know it will go right I mean, I over Tumblr's yeah, heads. I don't even. I don't think I've saw anyone in the uh, in the in, in the fandom even pick up on that. They they're were just, just like, cra- I was just sitting there losing. I think shit. most people were just interpreting as that just being a commentary from the show creators about how like maybe the network doesn't want them to have flawed characters but they weren't thinking about pearl specifically I but no that's the whole thought. it was like this is a especially a reminder to fandom especially because it's literally about fan fiction about something that happened quote unquote. well i've seen interviews with rebecca sugar where she says of all the crystal gems the one she's most like is pearl too so like mm-hmm. the pearl's like her like if anything that's her yeah. fan insert character yeah and she's the annoying one that everyone's kind of pearl is kind of great i'm not saying she's gr- like I she's grading pearl but i appreciate where she's coming from yeah because pearl is the I, like yeah I, if Pearl were real and we lived in real life, I would want to throw her off her fucking bridge. <laughs> but I still appreciate where she comes from. Yeah. She doing, you know, she's yeah. got. She's gonna have an interesting story. Just hold yeah. on and just like fucking, fucking Steven Universe. God damn! I love how much she loves being Sardonyx. Yeah, that whole thing with her and Garnet. Like, well, like they make a point of saying like we feel we we don't get to be as strong as you are. And, yeah, like, we, like they both. And it was a nice moment for Amethyst too. Mm-hmm. Like I like how subtly, even though the conflict is between Pearl and Garnet. Like, this has been a good week for Amethyst, too. Yeah, she's. I like how she's not on the satellite, but she's still just kind of, like, and commenting she, the, on the thing that is here. happening is totally Well, and that's the nice thing Keystone would tell, just this five uh, stretch, uh, five episodes work as a nice piece, because uh, the Keystone Motel uh, informs Garnet, saying, hey, sometimes you don't think I'm not as strong as you think I am. I have to yeah. really work to be as hard as you think I am. Yeah. And she even referenced the fact that, like, you know, like, Ruby and Sapphire were split about how they, she should be trading Pearl and stuff. So they really work together. Like, this, yeah. this, 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 uh, um, these five episodes really worked well seeing them yeah, bang, 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 right after, really right, right, right in a row. It was essentially a five-part episode, essentially. Yeah. God, it's just really good. So uh, good. I hate to say it, Sardonyx is actually kind of hot. I like Sardonyx. <laughs> uh, she is elegant. Elegant. God, she's so but good. yeah, I like, like she's how happy she is. Because yeah. the other, like, uh, the other fusions we've seen have been a little aloof, and she's just like, ah! Yeah. She's goofy. She's got a little beast and everything please. like that. Oh, um, man. So good. That was, Steven Universe is good shit. Here, we're, t- we're spending way too much time talking. We should keep going. Uh, yeah, Bill, how was the uh, Star Wars podcast y'all did last That's pretty good. We talk about Star Wars. You know what's better than Star Wars? Steven Universe. <laughs> True. No, no, just uh, uh, for people who care about Star Wars. Well, I'm sure you probably popped up in your iTunes feeds or whatever. But, yeah, we recorded last Monday. We had just had, like, a little two-hour uh, special podcast. Annie wasn't here because Annie doesn't want to hear Star Wars spoilers. Mm-mm. But it was me, Mike Russell, uh, Leland, Jimmy Conley, Bobby Roberts, just talking about the, like, the last couple months of Star Wars stuff. More yeah. specifically, that San Diego Comic-Con trailer that happened yeah. uh, two weeks ago. But it was Star Wars. Good. We're talking about Star Wars. Star Wars. We really all did just talk about... It was nothing but, like, that two hours talk of that trailer. So I'm like, if we like that part and our hopes and dreams and stuff, yeah, well, we had yeah. talked to Bobby in a while. He had been yeah. on the podcast, so we had to catch up with him. Sure, and, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. about different theories about Star Wars stuff. And, cute. Like, yeah, cute. it was Y'all fucking cute. But, yeah. 
Steven Universe. I guess Steven Universe comes back on a regular schedule starting sometime next month. Mm, so, okay. but yeah, that was good. Steven Universe. So what are we gonna see? I was, I was a little bummed we didn't see Yellow, Yellow Diamond, Diamond or what the hell's going on. I mean, that's inevitable. That's gonna come up. Well, now that they're done with this arc and the gems are stronger again, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they could actually fight and put up an actual fucking Paradot. Because yeah, all the Paradot shit, like they keep certain something's got to That's the one that I didn't care. Like Paradot, is, her escape was such like a Saturday morning cartoon escape. Like I'll get you later. Sure. Like, yeah. and they kind of make a little bit of a joke. It yeah. was a little like fuck Paradot. Yeah. <laughs> one of the fucking punch Paradot's face in. Um. Uh, let's see the universe. So there's a tiny segment that I want to start doing on the podcast, but uh, we I really want we've been talking way too much, so I'll make it brief. Um, I part of my depression is uh, I, I guys I have addictive tendencies. I know that strange is recovering alcoholic for y'all to hear that for me, but um, I struggle with addiction a lot, and um, I sometimes when I'm sad have a bad habit of doing retail therapy and buying shit. And lately I've been buying a lot of comics and not reading them. I'll buy them and I just have them in my house. My wife has read more of the comics I've bought than I have. So I want to start doing a segment on this podcast where every week I will read a comic for my collection because I haven't read a lot of my... I read a, reread a lot of comics in my collection in a while. So I'll read a comic for my collection and I'll come in and talk about it a little bit. So um, I'll make this brief real quick. But I got a book from Massive this week. Massive is a small publisher based out of New York where they specialize in um, uh, what some folks call bara, what they call gay manga from Japan. So it's about, it's manga love stories and sometimes even erotica about big beefy dudes um, kissing on other big beefy dudes. They did a, they imported untranslated a book that just came out, or that's been out for a little while and has been doing very well in Japan called My Brother's Husband. Mm -hmm. um, it's by an artist named Tagame who is one of the most brutal, fetishy artists I have seen in my life. Uh, if you like fish hooks and ball sacks and Wait, sounding what? with the great uh, 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 glass rod that is then shattered. Okay, okay. So is this bloody girl kind of stuff? Like what's, like how, how graphic does it get with like Super, actual like violent stuff? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not so much about the violence as much as it is about the is it erotic torture. Okay, erotic no, it's torture. always okay, someone yeah. being captured and done Okay, so it's, our, it's just so it's willing, but it's yeah. just kind of fucked up well, and extreme. Well, no, not always. Oh, okay. And the thing about Tagame is fascinating is that Tagame is hugely popular popular in Japan with women probably because like I love how Tagami draws dudes I don't like what he does to those dudes and it's interesting because there's one Tagami book where they talk about uh, where there's this interview with him and he's like yeah you know I always have to pull back I can never be as extreme as I want like I barely do as much scat play as I want I'm just like looking at this I'm like you do you Tagami so I've been fascinated by this all-ages Tagami book he's done. It's in an all-ages manga anthology that comes out, and uh, it's called My Brother's Husband, and it's one of the first pieces of gay manga that is actually oriented towards an all-audience crowd. Okay. And it's been doing very well. It's been very popular. It's been re The collection has been, been reprinted, I think, four times now. And uh, it's called My Brother's Husband, and it's about this dude and his daughter living in Japan, and one day um, they're... Uh, the the man's brother's husband appears. It turns out that his brother is gay, married this Canadian guy, and this Canadian guy is coming. I, I'm not sure why, because it's untranslated. So it's Yatsuba with more bears. See, that's the thing. I'm like, it's Yatsuba, except the focus is on the dad and Jumbo is yeah, real exactly. hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. Real hot. And uh, it's, but the thing that's fascinating about it is that this book isn't translated, so I'm just I'm just gleaning the narrative from what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating read because there are all these moments that feel like they belong in Tagami's other comics. You see both the dad and the brother in the shower. 
Um, Showering together? No, 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 no. Oh, but separately. just independent, like in different scenes. Yeah. Because uh, so what I have, this is from this is me reading it untranslated, uh, figuring out the story. I think what happens is their brother has uh, died relatively recently. The I'm not sure why the Canadian comes and visits at this time, but he does. Canadian. He's always like a little flag on a shirt or something. Uh, I, I read somewhere else. Oh, okay, that he was okay, Canadian. Yes, okay. Um, okay. Uh, uh, English is his primary language, but he's learned Japanese, and uh, um, he comes to visit. It's not clear. I think he's unannounced. He just shows up at their yeah. door. So he bonds with the daughter really quickly, and the brother. It seems like is struggling, s- struggling with maybe some homophobia, struggling with the fact that his fa- his brother was married to this dude. Maybe Maybe, like, struggling, like, did I know my brother? Like, what is this? And, like, dealing with a little bit. And reading the book, I can't help but think that an element of this is that the brother is also dealing with having maybe some feelings for this dude. Yeah. Which is a a great complicated, like, there's nothing like, I just call my brother's husband, yeah. My brother's widow. It's, like, such a good shit. But I'm like, I'm like, that's some classic Western shit. But I'm like, oh, man, come on. And uh, the book is just, it's very cute. But what's fascinating is all these scenes keep happening that feel like they belong in any other Tagami Sook book but in any other Tagami Sook book it would end with brutal sex and instead because it's all ages like it's just kind of sweet and nothing really happens so I kind of I really wish this was translated because a Tagami, like normally in a Tagami book it's like two dudes meet there's some sort of terrible circumstance and they immediately just fuck for the rest of the book yeah. I'm curious about this or it's like they're actually like developing a relationship and, and all these I'm going to be sad when it doesn't end with brutal fucking don't get me a lot wrong <laughs> but um, there's like one scene in particular where the, the Canadian gets drunk and um uh wanders in the house and the brother has to deal with it and he winds up collapsing on the dude weeping and he starts saying in english he's like i'm i can't believe i finally made it to japan and i'm alone and you're not here with me like not really clear if he's mistaking the brother he's like kind of speaking yeah, exactly, to yeah. the dead person through the brother as a conduit and like that and just freaking out and there's this shot where it's like this big canadian man collapsed on top of this the smaller guy and uh you know finally he just kind of he just weeps himself out and falls asleep and the brother gets a blanket covers him up and just kind of sits there and watches him sleep and uh it's just it's all and it, it's funny because in any other time book that would immediately lead to just terrible ball sack torture but instead this is a kind of sweet moment the reason why i'm reading into it that uh maybe there's a romantic element is that the last part of the book it's not clear if throughout you just kind of make the assumption that the dad's wife is dead because she's just not there yeah um, and, uh, uh, at the last thing, I don't know if they're actually divorced because the last part of the book is the wife appears, the mother appears and the Canadian brother is like, what? So I don't know what's happening. It's but the end of a sitcom. I, I love that. I really enjoy this book. It's fascinating. And it's so weird to have an all ages book, but they both still get a shower sequence. You still yeah. get to see them walking into their panties. Like, it's just so Are all the dudes, like, strong, still super, like, super oh, ripped yeah. and hairy? And and... To see, well, the, the the Canadian guy is hairy, and the Japanese guy is not. Okay. Uh, but it just cracks me up. I'm is everyone else drawn just, like, a lo- very loose, like, pencil doodle, and that's, like, <laughs> it's only those well, guys? Well, you can are... tell Tagabe only really cares about drawing these dudes <laughs> because exactly, the yeah. daughter um, so occasionally will just be, like, her face will be drifting. And it's like, like, it's I know you're just grudgingly drawing this girl, and you really just want to draw these dudes. Just he, like, invested all the pencil mileage into, like the forearm muscles exactly. and all the like crosshatched like oh, forearm so, hairs and shit like it's that. It's so funny and so, so charming. Is the nasty stuff in his other books like the actual violent stuff? Is that stuff actually done hot or is it like 
if you're into that, I mean, Bill, I have to admit, well, I'm not into scatological well, that, stuff. That's not even what I'm asking. I'm wondering how it much you done. have to work around that to get to the what you consider to be the hot stuff. Because I'm sure, obviously, this stuff I, wouldn't be selling if some people didn't think that was hot. But like, I think you know, I think he sells to all sorts of audiences, okay. like from the super fetishy to like. There's Does all um, of his books have like that kind of stuff, or is it sometimes you just kind of get artists? Up? Well, no, no. But in terms of like the actual like 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 balls being pierced, and oh, stuff like he that. Ranges. I don't know. Sometimes it's, he ranges. Okay, yeah. Like there's a there's there should be like you know how like at, you go to a Mexican restaurant, there's like at like a heat scale for like how spicy the things are. There should be like <laughs> exactly. that for some kind of pornography like that. If you, if you're reading someone who you know will like sh- draw something that should kill someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, man, Tagab- the thing is, is that I really like how Tagami draws men. Uh, Tagami draws men the way I like men to be made. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to live in a world where they exist, but where they don't want their balls to be destroyed, that's what I'm saying, yeah, that's and where yeah. maybe they like women. Uh, it's really funny whenever a woman shows up in a Tagami book because it's clearly like I don't know this is this what you people like I don't get it. So what you want is him to draw a uh, sexy pirate battle between a ship full of ladies and a ship full of men, and just shit goes haywire on the high seas. <laughs> no. no one gets their balls pierced, no. but it's just like deep uh, fucking. There's one. There's one Tagami book where um, the character has I don't know if I can't remember now. It was like a girlfriend or wife, but anything. Mm-hmm. He has a picture of her, and the picture is actually really attractively drawn and drawn like someone who is attracted to women would draw. Yeah. And every time I look at this book, I'm like, did Tagami, did you get a friend to draw this or something? Where you like, hey, Lou, I know you actually like vaginas or whatever. Will you come draw this for me? He can just be very, very, like, ferociously bisexual. But <laughs> it's entirely possible that, like, his books just so sell so well to the gay crowd that, like, you know, you maybe you could draw some, like, straight stuff sometimes if you wanted no. to. But, you know, I mean, it's so. not his, it's not his bag. Okay. This is him trying to do a more general audience thing, and it's a story about the gay, gay experience. I'm really looking forward to a translation. I'm really curious about it because it's just it just seems I, I like his art and I'm I like some of his um panel layouts and stuff and like yeah. I'm just I'm, I want to you have to start emailing Tokyo Pop once a day now no see I really want to work okay my secret fantasy yeah. I want to work for massive Matt I want to work for massive because they they do they've done they've translated one book um, they mostly do. Are like, they a Western publisher stuff. that's just, uh, just importing this it's stuff like from overseas? Two okay. It's it's a two person team. Uh, this this woman and this guy up in New York. Have you ever and actually communicated with these people? I'm I'm actually working on an email to hey. them. I already told them on Instagram because uh, I'm like, if you guys are ever in the Pacific Northwest and need another pair of hands, I will help you in a heartbeat because I really I really you love totally this company. Because I'm like, I have experience in e-commerce and sourcing and everything. I want to work for Massive, so I love Massive. They're fighting the good fight. You um, should. You never know. Not to say that, like, but you. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Even if something doesn't happen now, you never know in a couple of years if they yeah. get a couple extra bucks. Well, and also, they they're be... like a tiny boutique or even thing, a, so... a job aside, it sounds like these might be, might be cool people just to communicate like, with and say, I hey. I just want to be in their orbit somehow because they're, they're fighting the good fight. Because especially if it's just two people like publishing all this stuff, I'm yeah. sure they could use like some like, if hey, how you doing? This is good stuff. Hey, you know, uh, that's uh, going to mean I a got, lot to them. I got a shirt of their logo, which is uh, 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 one of their cartoonists, drew just a beefy guy flexing, and then it says massive underneath. I, so I, everything they publish is the same kind of like genre? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, they yeah. specialize in this very specific sort of thing. And I got it. I, I took a pic- selfie of myself and posted it to Instagram. And uh, I, uh, I, my caption was, uh, I know the demographic for this is women married women, right? And they did re-gram it. And they were like, yes. So I'm very. Anyway. I just looked up that's massive my story manga. Of massive. Yeah, I can see that's your kind of guys. It just Maybe cracks not quite me as up. hairy as you like. It but cracks me up. Is it hot if guys are hairy or if they're like hot dog? Hairless? It depends on depends, depends on the guy, on depends on the, the situation. I'm oh, sure variety would be nice too. And also, so. some people like full lush pelts all over. Yeah. 
Um, I know a anyway. lot of ladies do like the like you've pretty much you pretty much got hair from beneath the nose in some fashion all the way down to the balls. That that's like that that's perfect. But legs thing. that are perfectly smooth <laughs> and glossy like the laminated. So anyway, weird. that's Annie's comic book quarter. My brother's husband. I'm looking forward to a translation. Yeah, massive manga. We'll see what the fuck Aww. next week I I read. Especially but- seeing. Like, there's some illustrations of big, beefy Asian guys like that. You don't really see that often. I love these. I want to buy these cl- this clothing because they, they do a, they do a collaboration with a brand called Opening Ceremony. Well, they'll do these full prints. Opening Ceremony. Of, of, uh, uh, of this illustrations. And I can never wear any of them or have any. Yeah. I've tempted, they have some rugby shorts and I was tempted to get one as a uh, exercise shorts, but I can't bring myself is to Is Opening Ceremony the name for when women, they start tenting? Yes, Phil. It is unrelated to. I can see, like, laying in bed, huh? Opening ceremony. Yes, Phil. <laughs> anyway, I really liked my brother's husband. I that is bit. super cool. I can't think of how many listeners I could recommend it to. I guess if you like beast men and don't mind reading untranslated We have a couple manga, hundred listeners, so out of, like, even if only 1%, one percent. Hey, to you, maybe that one, one or two people. Listener. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who wants Yatsuba with beefcake? Uh, pick up my brother's Yatsuba husband. Yatsuba with more fucking. Well, no fucking. Because there's nothing in this. Well, implied at least laying on top. No, it's just it's just really interesting because it's also chased. Hi, Yatsuba. It's like it's like seeing like I don't know. It's I'm really fascinated by this. I'm I'm amazed that it exists. So anyway, uh, remember this has been two thumbs up from uh, the Annie Millennium Comic Book Quarter. Next week I'll pick some other book. Massive wants to get in touch with us about advertising opportunities on the show. (laughs) Uh, I will do it for free as I just have. (laughs) Uh, Friends, we're going to take a little break after that long ass introduction and be back for the Geek Week interview. Saturo Iwata, rest in peace. He died literally 10 seconds after we stopped recording last week. That's a shame. He was a really amazing man. Uh, yeah. Like, he was a really good dude. There are not many good presidents of multi-million dollar companies anymore, and dude was a good Dude. I saw... I forgot that... So, okay, so the last time he... Sh- he, he had missed out on the last uh, two E3s. Uh-huh. Because uh, he was sick. And um, and I was just watching the end of the last Nintendo Direct had, like, in 2013, mm-hmm. where he showed up. And I forgot that was the year they came off... I th- Was it... I don't know if they had announced Amiibos back then or what, but for some reason, the Nintendo Direct for that E3 that year, because that was when Nintendo... I think that, that may have been the first year Nintendo stopped doing, like, live presentations in E3, uh-huh. and it was just a pre-recorded video. Uh-huh. And I forgot the running joke throughout that uh, video in 2013 was Iwata hanging out with non-specific superhero toy action figure. That's actually what it's <laughs> called. And this poor Japanese guy, he's the president of the company, yeah. having to address this toy. Hello, non-specific superhero action toy <laughs> and like you see see him struggling to say that because yeah, yeah. it's not like he doesn't he's not a fluent english speaker yeah. but just like he was up for anything for stupid shit for game. that company um dude really believed strongly in not laying off people during bad times yeah it was interesting because he over he over he, he, he presided over the most money-making and least successful <laughs> eras of nintendo yeah successful one right after yeah. another 
And so, yeah, he had the in terms of being president of that company, he had the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows. Yeah. But uh, everyone just came out, and kept on having great stories about how fucking yeah. fantastic it was. Yeah. On Reddit, like just an hour after he died, someone had this great story about how uh, they worked for some kind of airline that mm-hmm. he was flying on, and he was like on some kind of like you know like a like overnight flight to Japan. It was uh-huh. you know a nineteen hour flight, so it's always like you like if you pay enough, you get like a sleeping cabin essentially. Yeah. essentially. And something happened where Wata actually dropped his phone into the like the crevice between the like the the, the bed and the uh, superstructure of, of, of uh-huh. the plane. And so he had to ask this guy to come and help him. And so the guy got his you know retrieved Wata's phone, gave it back to him. Wata was super super thankful. And he said uh, a couple days later he got an email directly from Wada. So yeah. Wada somehow got his email address oh, wow. with a picture of himself. I was something like he like when I would wait to take a selfie and get like send it to this guy saying thank you so much for helping me and all this Aww. like and that's the president of Nintendo. This is a couple days after he must have been yeah. landed on the ground and like he must have been like working on Nintendo stuff. But he made sure to like send a personal email to the guy yeah. who helped him get his phone on the airplane. That's really sweet. And just like all the stuff like like yeah he was always really funny in the Nintendo directs and very sweet. The quote he said that made me cry was already said. He's like on, on my business card I'm the president of Nintendo. In my head I'm a game designer, yeah. but in my heart I'm a gamer. And I'm just reading this and I'm just weeping. Big, big, big. Did you see how he died? Mushrooms. He was walking through the forest and he was like, you know what? We make these games. I'm going to try that mushroom. It's a really good joke. That's terrible. Yeah, dude, cancer is no fun. Yeah, especially because. So he 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 missed out on last E3. He was like. He was like 55, right? Yeah, he was a a little fat faced little baby guy. Which you could tell in the last year or two he had gotten more gaunt. Yeah. Uh, His last uh, uh, live appearance. Well, not live, but his last thing. He was. uh, He did another Nintendo Direct video just like three months ago. Yeah. And man, I felt bad because he was. You could tell he was skinnier. And he had something. Like his one eye wasn't opening all the way or something like that. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it was just. I remember thinking at the time, thinking. That's not good, especially because it had already been a year and a half where he'd already missed two E3s and just yeah. kind of like it was a, you know, but it's in, and even when they announced that this E3, he wouldn't be showing up again and that they had a thing where he wouldn't even be in the Nintendo Direct and even his presence in the Nintendo Direct was done by a puppet that I don't yeah. even think was voiced by him. I was like, man, that's, he's not even showing up in this video and he was always looking a little yeah. bit rough in this video three months ago. I remember like, I actually had... I actually posted a tweet where I was like, man, if, if he's going to go anytime soon, I'm wondering if they're going to ha- have to, um, if he, well, not that he's going to die, but if, he, if, if this sickness that he has, if it's yeah. bad enough that he was looking a little bit rougher in the last year or two and he's not, the fact that he's not in this last Nintendo Direct E3 video, yeah. that maybe something, something more serious is going on. I actually made a tweet about like, well, if, if he's sick enough that like he can't even appear in the C3 video, I wonder if that means he may have to resign in the next year. And if he has to resign yeah. in the next year, they've got new hardware coming out. They've got yeah. the NX coming out, supposedly, next fall. When are they going to do that? And I realized that was a long classy to talk about that, especially because I'm a known person who talks about Nintendo stuff. So I deleted the tweet, and that was just like two weeks ago. And boom, now he's just dead. And yeah. I was like, shit. And I, I wasn't even thinking it would be that serious that he would. And it seems to have taken the company by surprise, too, because they didn't have a successor announced or anything yeah. like that. And... um he had taken a f- his last photo was just taken like three weeks ago. Uh, Nintendo posted along with the death announcement a photo of him just taken like literally like January twenty sixth. Uh, I think it was uh, posted in conjunction with they just had a an uh, an earnings call mm-hmm. to uh, Nintendo's uh, investors mm-hmm. that Wada showed up, but he was on the phone with everyone taking answers and stuff like this. This is less. This is just like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and so he is at least healthy enough to at least like step in and do that stuff. So it's not like he was on his deathbed for the last month, and something must have happened where he just. I mean, I'm assuming they must have known he was going to be gone sooner than later, 
but the fact that he just within the last two or three weeks was just like woof like quickly on what happened so there are very few people you hear about who are corporate leaders yeah. who seem like good people Especially, and good leaders and coming out of japan even Especially if you're a good leader traded company Coming that out of Japan, no one ever gets to be kind of funny or goofy or anything yeah. like that. It's very imperious. Yeah. You're just still there with the company. You have to be very officious. I mean, in the United States, it's a little bit easier to be like a little bit like, oh, let's go have fun. You know, like Microsoft and all their guys like, at E3 will come out and be like, they'll try to do like the fake like, hey, I'm a gamer too. But that's yeah. obviously just some, some yeah. stuffed shirt and you really can't take that for an answer. But yeah, what a... He's, he started work. He programmed for the like balloon fight and he was a real yeah. programmer. They were talking about like... He, like like Pokemon Stadium only yeah. worked because he stepped in. He was still yeah. doing programming stuff even right up until he was uh, officially made Nintendo president. And like, yeah. he was really hands on. He wasn't just like some accounting yeah. guy, but he was like, he was one of the creators he at knew the, company. the company from the bottom up. And yeah, everyone just said, super sweetheart. They had his wake. Thousands of people showed up at his funeral. Yeah. It was raining, and so everyone's like, oh, even the even the skies in Kyoto are raining, and it was all a big thing. And yeah. Yeah, I'll just say it. Thank you, Iwata. Yeah, he did a lot of good stuff, dude man. He was a good dude. Yeah. <sighs> um, Who do you vote? Who becomes president of Nintendo now? I'm thinking Star Fox. Uh, Bill, <laughs> it's a me, Mario, clearly. It's a me. No, that's the other thing, because everyone's hoping that uh, uh, Miyamoto becomes the next president. I'm like, no, Miyamoto makes games. Yeah. If you want him to continue, like, he doesn't really make games. He oversees the production of games. Right. He hasn't actually made a hands-on game since, like, Mario 64 or Zelda. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that would be a waste of his talents. Also, yeah. he's getting older, so they're going to yeah. have to, like, no, yeah. you get someone. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Nintendo changes yeah. in the next few years as the people who have been the heart of it for so long either retire or. Yeah, because in the next 20 years, most of the people who made these games are going to be dead or retired. Yeah. I mean, Miyamoto has got to be, like, 60 now, and so, yeah, something's got to change. Mm. And that's. So, yeah, everyone's hoping that Miyamoto will become the next president. You don't want that. Right now, Miyamoto is overseeing the company with Genyo Takeda. He's the he's the hardware guy. He essentially designed the Famicom and the Super Nintendo mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But that seems to be temporary. I'm hoping they find someone else young like Iwata was, like, yeah. 15 years ago, who is given enough leeway to do whatever he thinks needs to be done with the company mm -hmm. and someone who has a real vision that's of the future. That's a lot of trust, though. I mean, that's... Um, but that's the thing, is, like, the only reason anyone went with the Iwata becoming president yeah. because it was Yamauchi, the, the the guy who had been in charge of the company for like 40 years, yeah. was like, I know this may not make a lot of sense. This yeah. guy's super young. Yeah. He's not used to management. He's yeah. a programmer, but I believe in his vision. I really like him as a person. Yeah. I think he's... And so hopefully there's somebody in that company that can make that call in terms of who's going to head the company again. And hopefully yeah. it's not just some... Just Dude. some random guy. Yeah. So we'll, we'll find out. Especially Nintendo's right on the brink of, like, becoming a whole new kind yeah. of company. Because they're, they're... I mean, it's kind of a... I mean, of course, it's it, it's awful that the man passed. But yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a change in leadership, now is not this a bad is an interesting time for point. Yeah, because, I mean, literally, it's weird that they would have this change of leadership just, like, a couple yeah. months before they do start doing smartphone stuff. It's almost yeah. weird at the timing of this. Yeah. They're going to have new hardware on the shelves uh, a year from now. It's so... Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, you know what? You know what? My choice for leadership in Nintendo is. Ah, uh, Bill Mudrin. <laughs> I know it's surprising that this young man in Portland. Uh, okay, let's make a deal. A you put an application, massive. I'll put an application, <laughs> Nintendo. Nintendo. If we Sounds both get good. the jobs, we'll help each other out. Sounds we'll start. Uh, Nintendo start making smartphone games about like uh, that. What's what? What's the Takeda Tomoto? <laughs> Tagami. Tagami. Yeah, come on. <laughs> 
How many great CBT minigames? My brother's them. husband will be an unlockable character in the next <laughs> Smash Brothers movie. Uh, oh, Alex, that's his thing. He like he's got a fish a fishing line. Alex Rocco, <laughs> rest in peace. Mo Green in The Godfather and the head of the studio that makes Itchy and Scratchy on The Simpsons. More importantly, also the creator of Poochie. Yeah, in the in The Simpsons, he's the guy who said, you know what, Itchy and Scratchy ain't doing it anymore. We needed to create a new character. Let's do Poochie. That's the best episode of The Simpsons ever. I don't know if you've ever even seen that episode, but oh, like... Oh, yeah, I've seen the Poochie episode. Yeah, Poochie's fucking... Yeah, but Alex Rocco, I was kind of surprised because he was, like, not old, but he was, like, middle-aged when they made The Godfather. That was, like, 89 years ago. <laughs> Abe Pagoda, who was in The Godfather, who was, like, 90 when they made The Godfather, is still alive. Yep. He has outlived half that cast. Yeah. Um, what else? What else, indeed... Um, Nosferatu director F.W. Murnau's <laughs> head got stolen from a German tomb? Did you not hear about this? No! This sounds like Bill Mendoza. His head got fucking stolen. Wow. So, I guess, well, so, so this is the guy who directed a whole bunch of side films. His big yeah. thing is you directed, you know, Nosferatu, mm-hmm. with, you know, the dude with the bald head. Right. Yeah, I know, I, I know burr, of Nosferatu. Burr. Yes. yes. With the ears and the fangs. Yeah, gotcha, and the, the very silly looking yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was the guy who directed that, and so... His head got stolen. I guess his grave... I guess he had a whole big tomb in this German cemetery, and I uh-huh. guess his his his, his uh, tomb had long been a haunt for goths and weirdos. Sure. Uh, I had goths. seen... Since this news broke, there was this thing about this wife, super what like cartoony goth couple, yeah. who I think the wife killed her goth husband and drank his blood... And they did it, like, on top of his tomb or something like that. And, like, these people have all kinds of piercings. And, like, they look like cartoon German goths, like, <laughs> yeah. who do this kind of shit. Yeah. And so everyone's just assuming that it must have been some kind of weird prank or somebody stole his, like, bust his open his tomb. Yeah. They took his head just for some, who the fuck knows? Maybe yeah. it's pranksters. Maybe it's someone decided to do some candlelit vigil with his head. Right, right, stole right. His fucking head. Wow. Not the rest of them. I wonder if they meant wow. to steal the whole body and they're like, maybe this is a little bit too heavy. But I'm like, so I the idea they had to go in there and like presumably no, the wrench head, off like, his head. The mind of this creator was. I, totally I know. You know what? Someone's probably using a skull as like a breakfast cereal. There's bowl. a seance happening right now. That skull. <sighs> so even if you get it back, who knows what happened to that head? Do you even want the head back at that point? Someone stole your head from your grave. I'm going to be cremated, my friend. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't the the like the cost of a gravestone and a and a fucking uh, yeah but what, the, tomb box what's it called coffin <laughs> uh, all that shit no but Just, yeah well think about the energy I would be I up. would be cremated and uh, scat my ashes scattered in the gorge that's Which, what I want the, any gorge uh, the Multnomah gorge okay uh, probably at uh, one of the falls probably who has to scatter your remains. Uh, you know it's not fully. No, dude, you gotta put it in the will. That fully, if you go, you fully's gotta go with you. Gonna... <laughs> Simultaneously, yeah. uh, mutual headshots. Uh, no, hopefully, uh, let's see. I don't have any children. Who gets maybe, to flip the switch? Maybe in the my crematorium. godchildren yeah. or my sister's children. You guys were never thinking about adopting, huh? You guys aren't gonna have kids. The only way we're having kids is if our God help us. Um, if um, uh, the parents of our godchildren passed, both passed. So that's the only way we're getting kids. That'd be a pretty cool kid, though, because your, your godson is pretty awesome. I have the best godchildren You have in the a world. good goddamn godson. I love my godchildren. And my little goddaughter is becoming more and more fascinating the older she gets. Yeah. She likes reading. How I can't old is wait she? to give her comics. She's three years old. Okay. She's she's the she can, guy. can she read or she's just fascinated with the action? She loves of being read too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she likes books. So, yeah. That's the important I need to thing. take her Kate Beaton's book, actually. And who knows, maybe she will, she may be the person one day flips the switch on your crematorium. <laughs> exactly, yep. Uh Star Trek Omaz video, Dancing Elba. 
Oh, I should have made you watch this before. No, I don't care. <laughs> it's Idris Elba dancing. You don't even you don't even care about Star Trek and Idris Elba's in it. No. <laughs> Yeah. That does not bode well for Star Trek. Because that, that's their tactic for getting people like you. Don't care about Star Trek. Put Tetris Dabba. All the people in the world who, whenever there's any kind of casting announcement, everyone's like, Oh, is like, he going to be Elba. cast? In- he's in the Star Trek movie. Yeah. Oh. They don't say who he is or anything like that. But he's going to be in the next Star Trek movie. So, uh, this Omaze thing, uh, this is kind of terrible because this proves that there's nothing Star Trek can do that Star Wars hasn't already done better. And before they did it, but so when they first announced the Force Awakens that they were going to be filming, uh, the Force Awakens crew had a thing yeah. where with uh, I guess it's Omaz is some kind of charity where if you donate to Omaz, you essentially get entered into a raffle, and then whoever gets wins the raffle gets to have like an on-screen appearance in okay. the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. So Star Trek, they're filming right now. They're exactly the same thing. Who's directing the Star Trek movie? Sorry, <sighs> it's one of the Fast and the Furious guys. Okay, is it Justin Lin? I think it's the guy who directed the Fast and Furious Seven, I believe, the most mm-hmm. recent one. I think. Okay, I think he also directed some of the Saw movies or something. Okay. I th- think i'm not even to paying too close attention but yeah no one knows what the new star trek movie is about or anything except his it's elba showing up and so they have a goofy little video of everyone if they make on... him a klingon i'm gonna shoot star that's trek why... into the sun why black people can be other stuff in <laughs> star trek that's not klingon <laughs> yeah that would be well that's why everyone's kind of wanted because like they haven't announced the casting of a villain yeah. the, all they know it's the star trek crew plus idris elba which everyone's assuming is the villain which is kind of like Especially yeah. Star Trek, you don't want like Star Trek always doesn't need a villain. It's movie. It's yeah, a show about it's exploration. About yeah. Sometimes it's enough for like the environment to be hostile yeah. enough. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be like some guy going, "I shall destroy you, James yeah. Uh So anyway, they the have... only way you could make me watch a Star Trek is if Idris Elba were the captain, <sighs> and I were his first mate. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking, you have uh, to throw down a tarp on the yeah. fucking. Oh, God, yep. I can totally see that, too. That is terrible. <laughs> uh-huh. well, anyway, so, like, uh, they did a little funny video just publicizing the fact that they're having this essentially a lottery to also be in the new Star Trek movie, and, uh... What uh, if I entered and I won? And then... And I don't care. I just want to be draped over Idris Elba's shoulders. You're, you're like, like, how Worf has, like, a, like, a ball <laughs> I want to be his bandolier. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea that, like, Idris Elba just walks around the whole movie with you impaled on his dick, holding you up by the hair, and you're, like, translate for him. He's not clean. Uh, he's just I He talks through you with his <laughs> penis. It's just like, yeah, you must be My mouth is busy. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so the whole video is just them coming up onto the bridge and like the, suddenly there's dance party on the bridge and there's their elbows like dancing and stuff like oh, that. Oh, Idris. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, cute. But Dan yeah. Aykroyd filmed a cameo for the Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Man, this is the geek week of Andy. Don't give a shit. I know that much stuff. This, that's especially the new Ghostbusters. I was hoping they wouldn't do anything know, like this because this is the last of, thing you need. Yeah. Especially Dan Aykroyd. I will say this. As long as it is more respectful than Jim Belushi's cameo in Blues Brothers 2000, Wait, we're okay. I've never seen that. Blues Brothers 2000. I saw it in theaters. I thought Belushi was dead, right? Yeah. And John Belushi. Excuse me, John Belushi. Belushi. Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, there, it, there's a moment where they sing and perform Ghost Riders in the Sky. <laughs> During a thunderstorm, and w- the Ghost Riders appear in CGI, and one of them is Belushi. It's all like bad. It's not even like it's like, like old footage of him. It's yeah, like it's awful, awful. So they can't do a worse cameo than that. I'll I just mean, Dan Aykroyd plays Slimer, maybe. <laughs> but you know, John Belushi was also supposed to be he like he was supposed to play 
uh, Peter Venkman. He, instead of Bill Murray, oh, really? supposed to be John Belushi, but because he, he and Dan Aykroyd are best buddies. It's true. But yeah, so I guess Dan Aykroyd plays a taxi cab driver, and Kirsten Wig is trying to get to the scene of a ghost busting. Yeah. She's like, driver, take me to that ghost. It needs to be busted. And he's like, I don't believe in no ghosts. Or something like that. Uh, some kind of like Ghostbusters thing. And he's like, because I was in the first movie. Wink, wink, wink. Oh, I'm just like, no. Everything else about this movie seemed cool. Who knows? Maybe it'll get cut out. Maybe it'll actually be cool in the finished thing. But it's still just kind of like... Man, I'm starting to see fan art of the cool Ghostbuster show. Yeah, like, yeah, the lady with Good the glasses. Shit. The yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited. Against, I never thought I would say this sentence, but I'm excited about the new Ghostbusters. Did you movie. see Faith Aaron Hicks link last night? Posted a link to some Japanese fan artist who has drawn a <laughs> mega fucking fuckload of uh, Fury Road fan art. No, but like very kind of like manga esque. But it's mostly about the War Boys. Oh like yeah, the inner life of all the People, war boys. Okay, the there is warrior? a there is a certain type. There of is yeah. girl that's really into the war boys. They lo- what? They're a bunch of like guys who are brutal, but like also kind of like if, scrawny puppy dogs. That's almost kind of like a Lost Boys kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, only, yeah. like if only like Furiosa, if only the touch of a woman shows up and can like melt their hearts, and yeah. then suddenly they'll be essentially minions to no, her. Domesticated. Yeah. Domesticated. Exactly. So. Yeah. So like yeah. So there is a very it's much kind of like up. yeah. But it is. She did some great comics of like the Doof Warrior and like him like choosing his ridiculous outfit of the day and one's like star spangled one's like oh it's just kind of funny it's just dumb stuff but it's very nicely drawn and everything like that it's good stuff yeah disney's making a live action prequel to aladdin about the world of genies which okay i mean sure (laughs) um i don't i mean is it gonna be is there a world of genies that needs to be explored clearly i guess maybe this will also be de facto like a live action by tim burton you know they're talking about <laughs> well that's the thing because like you know that's perfect time to talk about a movie about genie from aladdin is a year after robin williams died uh-huh. especially the best part of aladdin is the genie stuff yeah but that's also the cartooniest stuff that's the yeah. movie, that's that's Can the reason why that movie's a perfect cartoon an entire fantasy world of pop culture references a cgi yeah it's gonna be just... correct directed by seth MacFarlane. <laughs> you know there's no who do you get to play aladdin because well, you it's, like, it's a prequel about no, the world of genies. He, it's the movie starts off. Oh, it's, it's like, like someone who is, enters the world of genies. And you know, they need, Aladdin's like they need to be Harry Potter. He's through. like, hey Aladdin, hey, oh, he's like, hey genie, where you come from? Uh, no, it's gonna be a hot teenage boy who somehow is transported to the. Maybe it's like some sort of reverse riff on Aladdin, where like there's some sort of a genie world equivalent of the 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 um the lantern that summons instead a hot young boy who then is trapped in the world of genies. <laughs> Oh, actually, you could do some great uh, uh, manga about, like, a guy who finds, like, a hot oh, no, genie boy in a thing. So, anyway, uh, the, no, no you, actually, that would that'd be not a bad premise. No, that's like what I'm saying, exactly, because, like, the wishes, he has to do the thing, and, like... Instead, now he's, like, maybe He can make all of his wishes come true, so, world. like, he can have a fantasy element of a... Well, it's that he is not... He is beholden to the genies, yeah, as no. opposed so to vice versa. So, you do have, like, a so power play thing there? So, there to do, like, uh, like all the menial, like, And if you want to take this idea of I could make a peanut butter jelly sandwich, and they're all, like, what these powers beyond our ken it's like yeah i can tie my shoelaces uh what are some mundane things yeah. like uh, i can do my taxes or like shit we need someone to do our taxes like <laughs> shit like that so it just seems like the worst possible i'll do like oh man we got some feedback about no one emailed us their preferences for who the hottest disney prince was mm-hmm. but i did get guff on twitter about people saying what it was jasmine was never turned into a, into a snake 
But Jafar got that? turned to a snake. I think we were talking about this on on, on yeah, the podcast remember. last week about stuff. We were talking about fetishes and cartoons and stuff like right. that. Right, yeah. And, I uh, thought you were just making a riff. No, I could have sworn that was a thing, but we did get blowback. I guess I got some details wrong. Oh, so I think the big issue is, like, Jafar turned into some fucked up shit. And, like, okay. I, I guess in, the, like, the directive video stuff. Wait, doesn't Jafar become an evil genie at the end of the first Aladdin movie? Yes. Because they trick him. And that's how they trick him into going itty yeah. bitty little living Oh, face. then maybe J- J- Jafar is the villain in the genie movie because he's off the genie be world. Cool. It'll be Bash- a Bashir from Star Trek Teach New Science plays him. Oh, uh, actually, Jeremy Irons. Because what did Jeremy Irons do voice? No, yeah. I'm thinking he of... He played Iago. <laughs> yes. He played Iago before Iago had brain damage. Yes. Yes, Jafar. No, I'm thinking because Scar was Jeremy Irons. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Anyway. I don't give a shit. Anyway, if it's not... <laughs> I love... Like, why are you talking... If you're listening at home, Annie's tone of voice, but look at Annie's face, there's so much just like... I'm starting to lose... You're trying to politely hang on to this I podcast. I go and lay on the floor and not move for a little while until my wife's shark boyfriend's on We're me. almost done. Disneyland Shanghai will open next spring and looks pretty fucking huge. It's the first Disney park in mainland China. And it's having a shitload of money poured into it by Chinese investors. These six lands in the park will be Foxconn land. Here comes Bill's joke. Distressing lack of respect for human rights land. Let's prepare for inevitable economic war with America land, Body World's processing land, and that fucking dragon from Mulan land. How Good did I just have, How did not Mulan just like 5,000 cops from Mulan just running around that place? Ugh. So, but yeah, no, that's a crazy thing because I guess the Chinese are half funding this and the Chinese have shitloads of money. Well, there's Chinese people who have no money and they're like fucking like washing dead pigs in the river and then you got the rich Chinese and they're just like, like they're building a golden Antarctica out of pure gold. So like, man, that that's going to be a fucked up crazy place though. Yeah, Especially since because they have no uh, human rights stuff they have to go by, they could like they could kill like 15 people while building like a super giant like super Like there's more castle. dead bodies in there than the Great Wall of China. Yeah, you think the shit were like the fucking World Cup and fucking wherever it is where they yeah. kill like 5,000 people? Yeah. This is going to be the new one. They're going to fucking the roads are going to be paved. You can see people in the dirt. <laughs> This just reminds me, I rewatched, last night I had a, I had a incident with a spider and I'm a huge arachnophobe and I couldn't sleep, so I rewatched all of Catastrophe. There's one episode of Catastrophe <laughs> where uh, she can't sleep because she's getting really anxious about the baby, and then he goes on this screen about how, he, she's like, distract me, and he goes on the screen about how, like, there should be a fucking plague on all the rich that just wipes through the world and kills everyone, and then gets so incensed that he can't go to sleep. Anyway. Is that show done? Is the first season done yet? It's only six episodes. Oh, okay, that's right, because you were talking about it's a very... On Amazon.com. Yes. Anyway, going to continue. Star Wars Little Golden Books. Okay, that's something that intrigues Comes me. out, like, in two weeks, too. They just announced it. Are they all cute and shit? And they're all cute. It's six books. You can buy them individually. You can buy them, like, in a big box set. Who gives a shit? But, like, even the Golden Books, like, the spines have, like, little, yeah. like, stormtroopers. And oh, like, really? It's, it's pretty goddamn cute. And they're, like, Aww. they're, like, four bucks a piece. So you can buy the four, the, the three good ones. It'll cost you, like, 12 bucks. And you have Golden Books. I know... Man, Aww. all the little kids I know, that's what they're getting for goddamn oh, Christmas this year. Oh, it's cute as shit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, it's cute as shit. I am honestly shocked that has not been a thing, especially with the original trilogy, because they merchandised it so much. I mean... Oh, it's interesting. They're kind of going with, visually with, like, a Clone Wars thing. That's actually not as cute as I wanted it to be. Uh, well, is that the same thing with the original movies, too? Uh, yeah. Because it makes sense for the... How do you turn, like... How do you turn, like... 
Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones into a little book because it's all about like yeah the dude gets his limbs yeah, cut off Phantom and Menace, set on a fire. New Hope, Attack of the Clones, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, oh man, I don't actually like these all that much. No, I thought it was cute. They're what okay. did you, did you expect more of like a Mary the Blair? I like the Return of the Jedi one a lot. Um, yeah, I was kind of hoping it'd be like because my favorite one was the one about a little dog. Who like goes on adventures? He's got big curly hair. So Man, is there a book about little golden books? But like th- that should collect a lot of this I'm stuff. Sh- that would I be feel a very like interesting was, read. Yeah. I remember being. A, um. Anyway, anyway, books, 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 books. Uh, a new Back to the Future DVD Blu-ray box set is coming ten twenty one fifteen. Um, Annie, tell me more about that because you know all about. You know that. how much I love Back to the Future. Oh, there are a whole bunch of actual collections of just like actual big fat books of just collect like six. Well, there's sixty five years of golden books. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a ton of books about golden books. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, this which makes sense. I, Bill's a fan of Back to the Future. We do have listeners who are fans of Back to the Future. There's going to be more Back to the Future news. The closer, actually, no. The two big things were announced. They're gonna. There's going to be a new uh, Back to the Future box set DVD slash Blu-ray release. Bill, there's your next mashup. You do a Back to the Future little golden book cover. Someone had to have done that, though, right? <laughs> there has to be a thing. Well, there's a Pixar artist who had done some oh, illustrations. Yeah. He did, like, Goodfellas uh, like and Like, uh, Leon the Professional was my Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and he may have... One of those may be Back to the Future. Um, so, yeah, no, it's just that they're, they're also going to show Back to the Future in a couple... Like, I think it's AMC theaters, of which there's none in Portland, so we're going to be locked out of that. Yeah. But, um, but the big thing is, if you want a Back to the Future box set that looks like the Flux Capacitor... Don't need roads. Oh, that is cute. Andy just showed me a little fake golden, uh, a little golden books cover of Back to the Future. Um, yeah, if you want a uh, Blu-ray box set that looks like the flux capacitor that lights up and everything like yeah. that, you need to get the mega edition that comes with uh, all the animated series. Oh, really? And something else on there where like no one wants that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it seems like it's a box set that has all. I still. Man, because they shot Back to the Future. They shot half of that movie with Eric Stoltz. Yeah. One of these collections someday, they're going to have to have some footage of that yeah. shit on there. Yeah. Not just like one or two like pictures of them, but I want to yeah. see like all the yeah, footage they the shot. Footage, yeah. That would be fascinating. Yeah. I don't know. Because so. it's not often that you get to see like finished, complete, like basically a version of the movie that doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, if they had Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, where it was actually like half of them, like it's half It's all women. It's... For, it's an all-female version. Of, they got really confused. <laughs> exactly. casting it. I love how much you like that movie. I Man, see... I gotta watch that movie again uh, yeah. uh my each out sid watched it this week for the first time because i yelled at them until they did and i really you gotta go watch that and they really liked it so i feel validated man um, hey should we do a cultural trade you watch this and i watch seven brides for seven brothers <laughs> sure uh x-men age of the apocalypse picks came out this week everyone pointed out that apocalypse looks like even Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. Do you know what Apocalypse Age of Apocalypse is? I don't know what this story I don't is. Give a shit about my my point of reference for X Men is the '90s cartoon. So I was excited to well, see Jubilee. Does he not show up in a thing? I don't fucking remember. I remember very little of that show other than Gambit. Because I know the show didn't... I thought it adapted a whole bunch of comics. It though. did, but Bill, I didn't watch it like... I, I was Reli- very, Religiously? I was very young, and it wasn't like I was in. Well, you know enough to like Jubilee. Or at least well, yeah. no, recognize well, Jubilee that she's well, showing she, up in this well, I movie. I think she was invented for that show, wasn't she? I have no idea. I did see pictures of Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. Yeah. She's playing young uh, uh, rogue. Yeah. She's got, grand, she's got 80s George Ash, Ash and Washed mom pants on. <laughs> 
freaked me the fuck out because it's those super hip huggy kind of like the waist comes up to your belly button kind of yeah. pants. And I was like, I remember thinking as a kid that was hot, and I haven't thought that in like 25 years. It was really interesting to see the the picture of those characters because it was like the first time in a superhero movie where I was like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. Where like I couldn't suspend my my uh, whatever. I was just looking at it like everyone's dressed in like bright cartoon purple. This looks like. Secret of the Ooze, the second Ninja Turtle movie. Well, it's just interesting because all there's been like this this drive to make superhero movies somewhat grounded. Yeah, and this is kind of going. And they're just like, no, fuck it. We want this to look like Power Rangers. It, it's interesting. It's really, even really like, interesting. Did you see the pictures? Of, you know who Psylocke is? I have. Oh no, she she's I know. hot and she looks like a stripper. Yeah, yeah. Which that's well, that's half half of all comic book characters. Female comic book characters, but like Fever. I love Olivia Munn though. She was great in in the office. Oh, she's the like, room. Yeah. She's well, I guess she's supposed to be Asian, but Olivia Munn's like like a quarter Asian. It's still a so quarter more than like, most. Hollywood I know, Asians. seriously. But it's funny because she it's actually is in like the comic accurate outfit, but it just shows you how even if you get the like the person with the tightest body to like play that character, like there's some like things that just don't work in 3D space where it's just like, yeah, like someone wearing like a latex swimsuit with like random like bands on their legs for no reason. Just kind of, you look like a crazy person. You look like, like, you know what? The X-Men movies are not for me and that's okay. Did you know? Because I liked the X-Men cartoon show when I was eight. (laughs) I didn't care much about the second, I liked the second X-Men movie. The second, uh, the second X-Men 2 was one of the best superhero movies. The whole game out of four stuff. I thought it was was, fucking, but I I haven't seen an X-Men, I haven't seen an X-Men movie since the third one. Yeah, the third one killed everyone's mom. Yeah, so I haven't seen any of the... So you haven't even seen the Michael Fassbender shit? No, no. I did see some of the pictures of Michael Fassbender for that, and he's totally anti-bait, because he's a little scruffy, and he's wearing a black shirt, and I was like... Did you see... Wait, is Michael Fassbender in the Man from U.N.C.L.E. movie that's coming out? I think he is. Because there are totally... They are totally pimping that as, like, if you like sexy guys in 60s sixties gear... I remember like, Man from Uncle was one of those shows where people, obviously not at the time, like Star Trek, but where a lot of the people I know who are into it, yeah. it's totally like a Kirk <laughs> Spock sort of thing. Like, yeah, how you Yeah, it sounds like that's what they're kind of playing with the new thing, too. Yeah. So, yeah, just throwing it out there. I don't even know if that if that movie's coming out anytime soon, but... It, I, feel, I think it's Clive Owen. I think there's trailers or something like that. I think it's like one of his Army Hammer. You know, oh, you're Army right. Hammer. I think it is Army Hammer. Arnie like Hammer. Army Hammer. 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 Uh, Neil Blomkamp posted another piece of Alien 5 concept art, this Man, time of this... Ripley, and a multi-face Hicks snarking in a mech-armored <clears throat> super soldier. And we got you get you writing uh, Geek Week News and Review Notes, because I know you don't care about that. No, I kind of care. So I can't remember. Is he doing it? Or he did said... He do... Well, that's the other thing. He is working on it, and he... They officially... After he uh, posted the first bunch of... Uh, uh, concept art for like six months ago, they did eventually mm-hmm. come out and said, yeah, no, we've hired him to make Alien 5 for us. Interesting. And so this is the first actually thing, this is the very first thing he said since he officially got signed on to it. And it was just, he just posted a little piece of artwork with a note that's just saying Alien 5 is going very well. That's a good, uh, that's actually I don't think they're filming, but I guess they're just, yeah, that's kind of like, everyone's trying to figure out exactly, assuming this just makes, this must be just a direct sequel to Aliens because... Mm-hmm. Alien 3 starts off with, like, Hicks and everyone else dying. Yeah. And, like, it's a whole, but... Yeah, no, it'll be cool. Did you ever see Chappie? No. I, I kind of heard morbidly so curious about it. many of that. People I trust I who are like, that movie's... Like, like me, who are going, like, I I like District 9. Yeah. And, like, no, that movie's bullshit. I wish yeah. I had my two hours I mean, back even when I wolf. saw the the little uh, seven-minute, like, concept thing, I couldn't care Steve enough. Wolf Hart's seen it. <laughs> 
I want his opinion about Chappie. I love, man, there's nothing. He is like this weird oracle on Twitter. He and I should start following his wife, too, because they are just. Leslie, Leslie and Steve Wolfhard are two of my favorite people on Earth. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because he's, fuck Roger Ebert. I want to know what fucking Steve Wolfhard thinks about anything. Um... Because he loves Lady of the Water, didn't he? I think so. He loves... Well, he he, he owns up the fact he loves some horrible, horrible things. And he also loves some horrible things in real life. Not just entertainment, but he'll admit like liking like the the worst like shun for any kind of shit in real life, too. Uh, yeah, Steve. Steve is fucking fantastic. Oh, Steve. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I gotta go. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Neil Blomkamp doing an Aliens movie could be an Aliens movie. I could actually download get that theaters. movie in ten seconds. And I still can't even... Chappie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this this piece of news actually did make me smile. I thought this was an Onion article at first. Jamie Lee Curtis showed up to Evo dressed slash disguised as Vega. So the first thing that came out was she was interviewed. She was like yeah. doing press for something. Yeah. And somebody asked her what her favorite Street Fighter character was. And she was like, uh, I think they would They're do like, like, are you a Ryu or Ken guy? Yeah, she's like, no, I like who? I Cammy. can't remember. Cammy, that's what yeah. it was. Like, damn, like, completely, yeah, like, she, she shuts him down, She didn't seriously. have to think about it. She yeah, knew what like, she was talking about. And then, like, like, this weekend, she shows up at a fucking Evo, the fighting well, game convention. Did you hear why? It's the cutest thing. Isn't her, her, her kids son are graduated from high school, so as a present, for her son took him to Evo, this this fighting game yeah. conference, and yet the whole family went, and they were all cosplaying, but she was wearing this full mask, so no one knew it was well, her. Well, she was dressed like, uh, so she's dressed like uh, Vega, the, the, the mm-hmm. Spanish dude with the little mask, but, yeah. uh, but he's, the character's topless. So she's just yeah. wearing a top, like so you can tell it's a lady, but you're not gonna know it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Which so, she's got the paper mache homemade mask. There's in her not, head. there's not a lot of shit in nerd culture that has made me happy in recent history, but that made me smile with Jamie my Lee heart. Curtis, that is because just, that is nothing else. It's cool that she, she just seems like comes off as like a really cool mom. Yeah, because like my mom would play Mario with me and Donkey Kong with me, and that is totally the sort of shit that my mom would have done. Yeah, hundred percent. My mom would have taken me if they were like a Star Wars convention in the area. She totally would have taken me. Star Wars dressed like somebody. Yeah, she's game. Oh, man. Bill, did you see the picture floating around social media where it was like, Mom, that's not Jesus? And it's a picture of an altar with like a it little looks real. cross. <laughs> Which, if you're not, if you don't know. know. Has you and McGregor? If you don't know. <laughs> I can see why you'd hang that up and go, Yep, we got our picture of Jesus for this church. <laughs> that made me so happy. Do you keep it up at that point? <laughs> hopefully the internet, ne- hopefully that church never finds out about the internet. Well, it was not a church. So they it was very clearly someone's picture in their home. That wasn't Is that a- what it was? It was not a picture of a I church. I was hoping it was actually like some kind of weird, it's like, like, you know. It's like a I thought it was, I was, it was like a little boxy, like Southern Baptist, no, like, you know, no. like Mick Church. Oh, oh man. That cracked you up. Anyway, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is a cool mom. That is like one of the coolest call mom moves I've heard in a long, long she time. She is a cool lady. Yeah. Everything I've ever heard about her yeah. is just like she fucking. Like a solid egg. Oh my god. Uh, and most importantly, in closing, there's going to be a new Avatar: The Last Airbender box set. Yeah, no details. Yeah, they've, except they've released the covers. Of, yeah, like, just the cover because uh, uh, one of the uh, again we can never forget. Brian Kinsko, I think one of those guys just posted. The, yeah, he just hand drew a whole bunch of uh, uh, cover art for the, the the three different seasons. So who knows? It's specifically just going to be a DVD set, still not mm-hmm. HD Blu-ray stuff. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, hopefully, maybe there'll be a couple extra new. It's just nice on to there. have like a cool, like nice collected box set because previously with it's only been available with. Uh, well, they did come up like, with the weird 
collection in that one really limited one, right? Yeah, there was like, like yeah. So for a while there, were, you could buy like the th- three seasons were available individually. Although mm. they were kind of themed together. Yeah. And then they they did put out the first season as like a special brand new edition mm-hmm. that I guess didn't do well enough to justify like coming up with special brand new editions of the other two sets. Mm-hmm. And so I guess yeah, now this is all three of them packed together. So mm-hmm. wow, that'll be cool. I like I, I like Avatar. Actually, I don't think I own all. Th- I think I only own actually in terms of physical DVD. I think I only own that special. Mm-hmm. Reissue of the one. first set, so I'll have to buy this whole thing. It'll be nice. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll come like a little booklet. Hopefully, like Dark Horse has done yeah. some kind of like a little you know, thing that they give away That'd with it and pretty, stuff like that. That is good. pretty cool. That's the shame is that like that show was totally made uh, in like standard definition stuff. Yeah. You'd have to go back and like rescan all the show. Yeah. And I think it was done enough with computers that I don't think there's a yeah, lot of like film really stuff. It yeah. So it's always, yeah, you're never going to see like a beautiful HD presentation yeah. of that. But stuff. Not really like cool. Star Trek Next Generation. Not like that. Would be beautiful. <laughs> Oh. Hey everybody, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast. Um, as always, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. Um, uh, BoyHattiePodcast.com is our website. Thank you for listening. I to forgot to mention one garbage. last thing. I meant yes, to, this one to be part of my, what I did this week. Yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> listener, listener of the podcast, friend of the podcast, friend of mine at least. Phil Theobald, he yeah. listened to us talk, specifically me talk about how I had some gaps in my breakfast cereal knowledge. <laughs> One of those gaps being, well, cause this is when I was going off about how good yeah. Honeycrisp honey is. Yeah. Or Honeycomb. Honeycomb yeah. is good. Yeah. And so he sent me, he priority mailed me, <laughs> fucking expensively, a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch with writing on the front saying, hey, this is me and my wife's favorite cereal. You should check it out. That's my favorite, my favorite candy cereal. Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Yeah. I had it's my really first good. bowl right before we started what recording. What do you think, Bill? Isn't it a sugar bomb? It is a sugar bomb yeah. it is it is like it's essentially what are the 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 the, the mexican little uh, the churros mm-hmm. the cinnamon yeah. things that's yeah. essentially that in breakfast yeah. form it's pretty the good the best part of cinnamon toast crunch is when you're done and you've got the milk in the you, bowl that is the best cinnamon sugary because like usually i'm so used to other things like like sh- like like chocolatey or you get the like yeah. the kind of random flavor like lucky yeah. charms leaves behind that is a nice bowl of like sugary sweet yeah. cinnamon it is the like, worst thing it's for nectar of the gods yeah <laughs> but you like you can tell it's covered like you can see the sugar crystals yeah. all over everything yep. you know but it's it's pretty good it's really thank good thank you Phil, so much for the Phil, uh, thank you for opening those eyes in yeah. a way that he much much needed man my horizons are being broadened like a mother <laughs> yeah Oh, boy. All right, friends. Thank you always for listening to our garbage. We'll talk to you all next week about more pop culture bullshit. Okay. Take care, guys. Action figure did the best job.